Come on, everybody, it's the inside trip. So crack a high life and take a sip on that T-I-T. Get up and scream, and you can spell it backwards. You know what I mean. Your boy Brando in the house tonight. Gonna lay it down smooth and keep it tight. When Ben Watson gets on the mic, you better get ready because he brings the hype. It's about that time you already know that nasty trip, this nasty flow. The inside trip that is the show. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Ah, uh, what's up, wrestling fans? We. Are back, episode number 110 of the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. My name, Brandon Olinger. You can call me Brando. Join with me, as always, my man, your man, everybody's number one fan man, Ben The Law Watson. What up, Ben? What up, what up, what up? Well, <laughs> you know what's up? is uh, It's Monday. We had a lot of great wrestling going on this weekend. Uh, Ohio State got their uh, their little rear ends whipped up by uh, by Iowa, but but then they came back and they put it on Minnesota. They looking pretty good now. They did, and they did win three matches against Iowa, which I predicted the three guys to win. What a good weekend of wrestling, man! What a good weekend. How about Sammy Sasso? Sammy Sasso, I tell you what, he's he's put himself back in the conversation for a title contender. He kind of fell off a little bit with some early season losses, but he is back. I expect him to be ranked number two in the country when we wake up tomorrow morning, and I think that's great. Um, Yeah, I agree with you, man. I couldn't agree with you more. Sammy Sasso had a great weekend. Um, Look, his style is extremely unorthodox. I didn't see a lot from him this weekend creating his own attacks, which kind of makes me nervous come March. But, look... It's anybody's ball game come March, so he's just, he's just as much in the running as anyone Absolutely. else in that weight class. And he's a freshman, so I can only see him getting better even throughout the season. Fair point. Great point there. All right, guys. This is another big week in college wrestling coming up. So we have the big duel of the year coming up this weekend. Number one, Iowa, taking on number two, Penn State Woo! in Carver Hawkeye Arena. So... Oh. We wanted to talk about that this episode, and what better way to do it than bringing on one of our dear friends, um, one of the greatest guys in the sport of, of wrestling in general. He goes out of, his, out of his way to help anybody who needs help. He's provided us so much help. That's Jason Bryant. I don't know, Ben. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean it was, it's great to finally have Jason Bryant on the podcast. We've talked about this before. Uh, when we first got our start 109 episodes ago, It was Jason Bryant who was reaching out to us and providing us with advice and providing us with um, guidance on how how to get this thing off the ground. Uh, He's been nothing but a friend to us, always, you know, says hello when we see him. Really excited to finally have him on the podcast, and it was cool. We got to hear some of his old school stories. You know Jason Bryant. He's Mr. Storyteller. He's got some amazing stories about the sport. He's been covering it for so long. But we also got to talk a little wrestling with him, which was what I like. We, you know, we didn't want to just stick this into a storyteller-type podcast. We wanted to get his picks on the mic as well. We weren't going to let him get off the episode without his picks. So if you listen to the first part of the podcast, it's a little storytelling with him. Second part of the podcast, we discussed uh, the Penn State versus Iowa duel. Ran it down from 125 all the way to 285. We came up with a couple different scores. Uh, spoiler alert, we all think Penn State's pro- – or excuse me, Iowa's going to take it. Uh, you know, they're just looking that good. But it was awesome to uh, get to talk to him. Oh, for sure, 100%. Uh, uh- 
I think I can have this guy sit down and listen to stories from him about, about his experiences in wrestling for hours and hours and hours. And hopefully we'll have the chance to do that someday. So anyway, we're not going to take up too much time. Let's go ahead, bring on Jason Bryant to help us break down this Penn State versus Iowa duel. It's going to be a great time to watch. I know I'll be watching it, hopefully with Ben. And maybe we can figure out something fun to do with it. Yeah, I don't know. that sounds like a good idea. All right, we're going to go ahead and bring to you this uh, this uh, little collaboration. Hope you guys all enjoy it. All right, man, as we said, episode number 110, we got the one and only JB, Jason Bryant, joining us, also known as, as we just found out, the ODU Wild Man. Wow, I man. love it. Dude, Love yeah, it. it's a it's a throwback to my old AOL Instant Messenger screen name, and you know when you you know when the all this technology comes out, you know, you know it's those embarrassing emails like you know like the people that like want to get rid of their past to be like you know, you know, boss man four twenty underscore six nine six nine. I think that was that. Isn't that, uh, isn't that? I bet you got so many chicks numbers in those old AOL message you know chat rooms with the ODU wild man. I'm going to tell you what, I, I'd never had, that was just my instant messenger. I actually didn't have an actual AOL account for anything longer than the CDs would give you for hours or when I traveled. Cause that was how, that was how I traveled, man. It was on dial up with like Errol's unlimited internet in Virginia, <laughs> but I, I got a Fargo. There's no Errol's access number. There's no local access number for Hampton roads, Virginia and Norfolk back then. So it was like, all right, here's my hundred free hours or 500 free hours of AOL CDs, throwing them into my gateway 2000 laptop on a dial-up modem in Fargo, North Dakota, just to try to update by HTML hand, my old Matt Talk site, in 1999. So at the time, yeah, OD Wildman was the uh, – was. it's funny because the caller ID actually shows up with voice over IP things. So when I've called Penn State to have Kale Sanderson on the show from from my, my office number, actually, oh, is my man. Skype handle, it shows up on his caller ID <laughs> as OD Wildman. That's so awesome. One day he picked up and goes, OD Wildman. I'm like, how did you – how of all people – you're not a person I'm telling those stories to, yet he gets it. But uh, of course he gets yeah, it. Yeah, that's my old old instant messenger name. It was, um, you know, it's kind of when you create Skype. I think I created the Skype account in like 2004, maybe, and I was just getting out of college, and it was still everything I would, was identified with. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the one thing I think that actually does follow me just a little bit. Matter of fact, no, two things because I also posted that on uh, the what what was the Conference USA message board for uh, for Old Dominion. So. The only other place that I, I post is my real name everywhere else. But, uh, yeah, that's one that's uh, the ODU Sports Message Boards and uh, Instant Messenger, or now Skype, is basically the the only relevance to ODU Wildman you'll find anymore. Well, first of all, congrats, and I'm glad you moved from Virginia to Minnesota because I hear they're still on AOL dial-up back in Minnesota. So you sound much better than our boy Earl is. Dude, Sounds screw that, man. On. I'm on gigabit, man. I'm on gigabit <laughs> now, man. I got... I'm going to run a speed test right now. I'm like 800 down right now in the middle of a neighborhood. They're streaming Disney Plus all over the place. My kid's got two tablets, and my wife's streaming who knows what That's upstairs. Crazy. I don't even know and, what any of this means. I understand. We're 800 down's nuts. I'm at 800 like down's down. nuts, yeah. I, 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 got, I need 35 up because, you know, we'll get to this in a minute, but I'm doing some more video out of the studio here, the Speakeasy Studio. I haven't quite come up with a name of it. I always fancied myself calling it like the Monarch Speakeasy, you know, because of, you know, Old Dominion, where we went to school, you know, Monarchs, Kings of the F and Jungle. Uh, and plus, my walls are Honorable Blue, which is uh, it's a color homage to, right. to ODU, which the right. Twins had. Plus, uh, my wife's a Twins fan, so I threw a little bit of that navy in there as a primary color. And it's also the Looks like the great. third color for, for the Angels. So there is a sports theme here to this this color room that, of course, this isn't a video podcast. So right. You can't I was really just going to say that. we The people that are listening to this can't see that, but it looks good. 
We're, we're looking so at you right now. Are, the people that are listening to this are really glad they can't see what I see right now. I see two bald, drunk Ohioans. Hey. Hell yeah. Well, not yeah. drunk yet. Most people, most people would enjoy that. One final question. You said that Kale answered, um, answered that phone call and said, oh, do you wild man. Do you think Kale was ever a wild man back in the day? Oh, he was a storming Mormon. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. I actually love the look on JB's face when he said that. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, man. Well, well, hey, if you're still looking for names for that speakeasy room, we can get some. You know, get a little uh, maybe a poll out there. We we will gladly let you call it the uh, we'll the, sponsor it. the Titty Boy Speakeasy. You know, Inside Trip T I T, the Inside Trip Titty Boy Speakeasy. What do you think about that? No, uh, hard pass. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Titty Boy Speakeasy is going to go over well with my wife. So, again, this is uh, this is my room. I have two girls in the house under the age of seven, and I have a wife. So, fast forward about 10 years, you can do the math on how old my kids are going to be, and I am going to need this space. That is this true. This space will become more of an asylum for me. It's going to need padded walls instead of blue walls. But, yeah, this is – this is my place, and it's it's weird because my wife, we got these brand new. We finished a, a renovation down here, so that's that's what we're talking about. In case you're not following what we're doing, is I, I had a giant renovation. We we bought this house in 2013 uh, after we moved back from Colorado, and it's like I've always wanted a secret door, like Adams Family style, but even before the Adams Family, I've always yeah. wanted a room where you have to you don't know it's there, and you, you got your cool stuff in there. You you, you know your your TVs. I always said when I was little, I was like, if somebody breaks into my house, they're not going to know where all my cool stuff is. Well, this is one of those cases, although I'm telling the entire wrestling community about my secret room. This is a secret room. You, there is a hidden cabinet door. When you're sitting in our TV room, you don't know it's there until you walk over and say, oh, what's in, what's in this cabinet? Oh, wow, there's a fridge. So I'm really happy with it. It's, it's, it's my dream room. Bullshit. So. You're telling me that room you can't see from the inside? Uh, yeah, you can see it from the inside, you moron. Yes, because I'm inside of it. No, you I meant like see it from the room next to it. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. It's not a bookcase door, but it is a it is a it. Well, our our contractor called it a Narnia door. But again, in a here Narnia is my, door. Is my beer fridge. Is my beer fridge, which is it serves two purposes. Because again, some places we we didn't really want to have a bar be the centerpiece of the downstairs because we've got kids' toys everywhere and. So this is this is the secret secret room where 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 the beverages are going to be held and I can go into my little cave and and and, and celebrate my fantasy football winnings. Boom! Champion. I hate you. And, uh, you beat yeah. me. Right? You beat me in the finals. I hate you. you. Tried to guilt trip me about your medical bills too. That I did. Ridiculous. I totally did. I was like hoping you'd maybe send me half of that. <laughs> that is such a dick move. I was move. actually considering it. Then I realized I got I got I got I got a downstairs to furnish with some couches. Well, um, let me let me just throw some, throw a little fuel on that fire, you know, because. The Sunday before Christmas, I I, I I was in a massive car accident to ten thousand dollars worth of damage. You know, don't let him guilt you. I'm I'm not don't guilting him. him. I just I was shocked, man. It was a, fa- a fantastic time being in that football league, but I was shocked when I found out that winner takes all. I was like, I didn't know it until the same week either. That's twelve hundred dollars. I was like, I gotta win this. I gotta win this. Yeah, that, that was, is. Uh... That is me and Ben at the casino in Cincinnati having a wild night. You guys should have done a split. You guys should have bet on a split first. Yeah, we've done that in other leagues. You know, where you just make a, make a gentleman's agreement that says regardless of what happens, let's just split. But I wanted the whole 12. So did JB. Well, you didn't win. And his team was better than mine. <laughs> I had a pretty good squad this year. You had I Nick just, Chubb, right? Well, I, the thing is, I was actually, here's the thing, I was pissed about the draft because my daughter was in the hospital during our draft. 
And I'm trying to like, like at, she, we're checking in and we were going through ER and then we're getting admitted. And I'm just like, oh, here comes a guilt trip. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Like, I'm like who the hell? Why? No, Zeke's not even signed yet or something like that. I'm like, I'm not the, 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 the first two picks for Chubb and Elliot. And I wouldn't have made great those picks. For, yeah. They end up being great picks. So uh, auto draft saved me on that one. I can't remember who was, uh, but thing is what I, what here's, here's what I actually learned. I started following, uh, fantasypros.com. It's a fantasy football site and they've got, you know, you can plug in your leagues and it, you know, obviously it gives you the, pr- the projections, which they're nothing more than really rankings on how many different rankings pick some people. But I also started listening to their podcast and, and picking up who, who to pick up on flyers and stuff. Like I had been always that, that guy that kind of, you know, you know, dance with yo dates kind of thing where I'm picking my team, I'm sticking with it. And I'm only picking up guys if they're injured. I am tr- I am dropping and adding quarterbacks like crazy. I'm like Ryan Fitzpatrick's in there. I'm like, and I've got like you know typically uh, Kirk Cousins would throw pretty well, but then again he's not a great fantasy stats quarterback. He could throw four touchdowns, but only get you like for some reason he'd only throw for 150 yards. So so from a fantasy sports geekery, it was like that little bit actually helped me. And I won two of my three leagues this year, and one was was the big money, uh, you know, the BDI game of throws, and yep. then the other I think I don't think anybody's paid. So I might have won thirty five bucks. My buddy at the Virginia Duel is like, "Yeah, I'll buy your beers at, at, at Hoo-Hoo's. So, well, Either uh, way, yeah. either it way, really it was a good time. Where were we going with that story? Because I feel like we're going we're we're going like you know adult blood round here, yeah, like not even really talking about anything relevant. But yeah. oh yeah, my awesome speakeasy. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I, yeah, you, so. you know, honestly, JB, I, I'm looking in the background here. We we got your speakeasy on the video there, and. and I know you're throwing this little party at NCAA's, and I'm seeing a lot of things where I think I'm going to get my $1,200, you know, snuck out of your house. Honestly, I see some Wheaties boxes back there. There, there are a couple. There are six Wheaties boxes in here, two of which have kale on them, four of which have the twins. Are so, they open? Uh, no, because I might pour me a bowl of cereal if I get drunk enough at your house. Bro, I like I bought. Well, I found one of those Wheaties boxes, one of the kale Wheaties boxes. A guy named John Fuller, who actually used to write for Intermat. Uh, and USA Wrestling, like before, you know, when in the dial-up era, he actually got me a, a K.O. Wheaties box signed after he won it in 2002. And then, you know, I, I finished up in school in 2004. I should have graduated in 01, but I'm going through the food line. He's the wild man. In a rough part of town in Norfolk. And I look and I see, that, okay, it's Wheaties. And Emmett Smith was all over the Wheaties boxes that year. And I look, and then there's a Kale Sanderson Wheaties box in, in, in Food Lion and in oh, like – hood rat central area of norfolk and it's like uh yoink and then i went through all the other wheaties boxes i'm like this one was misplaced from iowa so that one's in much better condition than the other one but i've taken that from from all over the place i mean i've had those you know, almost you know 15 years but uh yeah there's some wheaties boxes the coolest thing behind me i think is the the autograph poster of john smith and sergey belaglasov from the grand right, championship right. in 89 jack child Jill drexel coach gave me the poster and it was signed by sergey well, I'm at USA Wrestling, you know, ten, whenever I work there. Jeez, it's it's coming up on a while. And John Smith is in camp, and Kendall Cross is in there, and I got Kendall signed that blue poster behind me. Uh, and I was like, hey, John, I got something for you to sign. And I'm not like an autograph hound. I don't like, you know, I've got 50 in this office accidentally. This is the the two that I, I, I actually sought out, and I unrolled it. I was like, hey, John, can you sign this? I got the Sharpie. It's in the in the, the old training facility at the Olympic Training Center. And he goes, Oh hell! I'd like to have me one of them. <laughs> so I, I I got a professional professional photocopy. I sent one to the Gable Museum in Iowa. I sent one to the Hall of Fame in Stillwater, and then I sent one to John W. Smith Gallagher Iba Arena. So he's got a copy, but I've got the original. That's probably the coolest piece of memorabilia I've got. But again, back to my wife having a seizure when she walks in here, 
Because I've got, I just got walls of shit. We shared an office before I see that. this renovation, so it's like, yeah, she would have like her one picture of like her marathon finish, which I I've attempted to and I have not finished either. She finished one when we were we were dating before we were married, and then a picture of of you know my wife had my my wedding photographer had my wife wear wrestling shoes for the picture. So you know Lauren Burroughs made it. She actually wore hers down the aisle. I give Lauren credit there. My wife didn't actually do that, but for the pictures, my wife had a pair of Asics on. So uh, there's 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 wedding rings with uh, on the Asics and wrestling shoes, and that was my wedding photographer. That's so. it, that story is phenomenal because uh, Ben and I we've got like this collection of like classic wrestling shoes up here, and in, in, in the podcast attic, and I just brought over my uh, the old uh, the old Nike Colats, the black and red ones. They're in amazing condition. And See, uh, I'm not a shoe file. That's that's amazing because uh, I have four pairs of wrestling shoes. The pair that Steve Martin gave me his first year at Old Dominion. Uh, it was a pair of white split second fours Asics. I don't even know if they're good or not. And I, they're not even broken in because how many times have I been on the mat since 2005? Now, I hope not a lot. Maybe five, maybe five times. Well, and then I've got the Jordan Burroughs, uh, the two pack, the Asics with the, you could only get the red ones with if you bought the, the cross trainers and the Asics. And then I got the, you had to get the Snyders, the first rudest pair. Yeah, we got. So I've those. got those. I got both then, of them. I got the white and, and the, the black. And the Teal Combat Speeds, they came out. I was like, well, I gotta have these just because. Right. Everybody, that's the first shoe I knew. Uh, that and the Greco Supreme. I don't have the Greco Supreme, but that's the first shoe I ever remember seeing was was the Teal Combat Speeds, and I didn't even know what a Combat Speed was really until Blood Round told me what kind of brand they were. I'm like, oh, I know those are the Teal ones. So right. I have a pair. Of them. So my wife goes, "How many pairs of wrestling shoes do you have? Four. Why you're never going to wear them? <laughs> just you, you know, can send I them have, to us. I, I had no, I had no, I have no excuse. I'm obviously not going to put on a pair of wrestling shoes unless I'm doing the Kevin Clanch and wearing them around the house. I don't get she it. Doesn't uh, your wife doesn't ask you to put them on every once in a while? I'll That's take that as a no. Dropping. I'm. Uh, I'm not. Uh, no. Yeah, I, I'll I, take that I, as a I no. Did, I did. Uh, so, <laughs> speaking of which, we'll, we'll get a story out of this. So we moved to Colorado Springs. Um, I was living with Gary Abbott for a couple months and then we got our, once we got married, we got our own place. My wife and I did not live together before we were married, which, you know, not a whole lot of people do that. Very well, traditional. We had, a, had one of those borrowed like Hollywood frames that are just the, uh, it's just a metal frame. You know, the bed sits on top of it. It's nothing special. You know, you know, every yard sale you, you can find them. Well, we had moved into our townhouse right across the USA wrestling and we were getting the room. And so I just decided to lat drop my wife. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I hit the best lateral ever. Cause Usually when I would attempt a lateral in practice, I'd end up on my back, bro. And <laughs> I love it. We I, I, I hit I hit a lat drop and and we bent the frame. So when I went to give yeah, the frame lat back drop. Gary, I went to I went to give the frame back to Gary Abbott and his wife Pat. I'm like, um so uh to explain this, I actually I told the truth because it was it's better than making up a a, a story. I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of lat dropped my wife. She's like can you throw me? And I'm like, I so I hit her with a lateral drop. <laughs> yeah, and Gary looks at me and says, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, just what you guys are thinking right now. Oh, yeah. My wife would not be happy with that. So I break out these, uh, so I bring these old, uh, the Colats over here, I break them out there in great, great shape, and Ben's like, oh, I used to wrestle with these on, and I was like, I have sex with these on. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yep, and just like Colat, I get screwed every time. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> My like apologies it. to Campbell University, a faith-based institution in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. 
Uh, which we have no affiliation with. Hey, you knew what you were getting when you came on this bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I know. I'm having. I'm speaking of a bad boy. Yeah, the the beer of choice right now is the Surly Black Horseman, endorsed by the band King Diamond. Well, Ben has some sort of like 18 named winter sweet orange ale. I'm drinking the Mick Ultra. Just came from a bar. Where obviously I was drinking tequila. I got a pretty good but buzz. Right we now. need to transition this podcast. Well, we actually going to talk some wrestling. We're going to talk, talk some like, wrestling. We've just been bullshitting. See, I love it when people like sometimes. Like me and me and Emma would sit there and we did our preview shows when he was doing bonus points and we were combining. It's like that was the idea for we did one episode of a show we were going to start together and we never released it. We never. It was just like this is just no. I was yeah. So. Maybe it might be one of those secret things I record, I release later. I'll have to run it by BDI since he lives up here now, uh, who I actually saw last night at the the Minnesota Ohio State match. But yeah, um, so let's yeah yeah let's transition this. So for one, thanks for coming on, JB. Really appreciate it. Ben and I have talked for a long time that hey, we just need to get you on, whether it's to bullshit, whether it's to talk wrestling, whatever it is. I'll never forget. Is this my first appearance? I can't remember. This is your is first it? appearance, absolutely. Okay. And. For those that don't know, when we and Ben first started, it was the absolute most train wreck of a podcast ever, especially when it came to sound. You'd be surprised. No, it was not the most train wreck of a podcast because being in the podcast space, I I talk a lot of podcasts with podcast nerds like me, and you would be surprised that you guys were probably, when you started out, were nowhere near the worst show sounding technologically or any of that well we literally had uh, the former use of spitters yeah we literally had each had a microphone sitting in front of us across the table come to find out the only one that was working was the uh the dynamic dynamic right no it was was the the come condenser condenser mic yeah condenser mic that picks up everything which one picks up everything points at you Condenser, condenser picks, picks up everything. It was that. a condenser mic that was in front of Ben, who's loud enough as it is, and it picked up the whole thing. It sounded horrible. Ben spit spitting into everything. It was awful. We spent I'm an hour arguing about like names. Batman with Michael Keaton and Kim Basinger sitting across the the long table having dinner, and that's how you guys were doing the podcast. Well, it wasn't so long, but it was long that was enough. Exactly right. That was exactly right. Right. Uh, but anyway, you gave us a lot of help back then on how to set things up improve our sound, all that good stuff. We've said multiple times, we really appreciate it. So uh, we really appreciate you coming on to talk some wrestling with us. The big thing going on this week is the fact that we got the number one versus number two duel in the country, Penn State versus Iowa. Both teams coming off some impressive wins this weekend. Iowa uh, dominating Ohio State, Penn State uh, squeaking by uh, a Nebraska team that put up a uh, if they had put up a better fight in some matches, I think they would have came out on top. So we want to talk a little bit about Penn State, Iowa. Um, but first, before we get started into that, um, you're starting to venture out a little bit. I've seen some things, uh, uh, specifically uh, you on the Rudis podcast. Can, can you just give us a few comments on how that came about and what, what the plan is? Yes, I've been recruited by the great state of Ohio, apparently. It's an amazing um, state. Yeah, it's a pretty good state, pretty good state, although I'm not really a Sorry, sorry, boys. One of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life was in Dayton, Ohio. That's where we live. Yes, what? I know that. What, why yeah. was it so bad? What happened? 1998 women's basketball regionals. Old Dominion was the number one seed and lost to North Carolina at UD Arena. Oh, that's and, right next uh, to where we're at right now. So basically, yeah. your so, whole experience so, yes. was based on the outcome of a girls' basketball. Plus, game. I was 18. Didn't even have my, my fake ID. Wasn't. I don't even know if I had it. I don't even know at the time, but. 
Yeah, I did not enjoy my drive to Dayton as the number one seed and then have to drive back home. I still curse Summer Herb, the uh, the NC State Women's Basketball Center that year. See, see, this is where you went wrong. You said 1998, right? Yeah. And you were 18, right? Yeah. That was the same for me. 1998, 18, just graduated. And I actually had a job at a bar in the – the historical famous Oregon district. If, if we were friends, man, I could have had you hooked up. It would have worked out great. Yeah, I mean, we're not friends now, so it's not like it would have helped me then either. Oh. Burn! Burn, burn, burn. Anyway, so back to our back to our thing. So what's funny, this whole this whole thing started really weird because it was it was funny because it's like when I hear a wrestling podcast and I feel like I, I don't want to sound like I'm like mansplaining things. You know, it's like when, you know, I, I feel like I'm, like pot, I'm not going to portmanteau this, but pod explaining whatever man's playing like whenever i hear something and i feel like i can help somebody i'll, I'll it will be unsolicited but sometimes i'm like hey man like what you're doing and uh, you know just tweak here i, th- I notice you use it sounds like you're doing this or you're doing this and usually that's met with a, a pretty good response like you guys it was kind of the same thing and oh, we knew we were tommy awful kevin telling tommy and kevin hey you might want to stop uploading the wave file because that's a gig and it's sucking my data so you did the same thing they, for us as well yeah, once they figured out the MP3, it was much easier, and, and people could listen more. But uh, so the announcement came. It was right during the drama with with Willie and Flo, and then Willie kind of outed that Ben was going over to FRL. Right. And so, of course, I've known Matt Dernlin for a long time, and this is it was completely you know innocent in terms of you know no motive or anything. I just text Dernlin. I'm like, because I'd help them set some things up with with picking Spreaker as a host and things of that nature for their shows, and I'm like what's this mean for the show? Just kind of, you know, wanting to know what's going on. And he goes, well, looking for a new coast. Are you interested? And I said, no, <laughs> you know, it's like, I've got a lot of, I got a lot of stuff on my plate, man. I like, and, and then a couple conversations happen. And, and at the time I was sitting there, what am I going to do with short time shots? Because as much as I like doing the daily thing, it just wasn't, it was taking time away from, from my family at nights. Kind of like you guys are right now. Well, tell your wife, I'm sorry. I'll make it up for to up to her when I'm out in Minnesota. So she's not going to be. She is going to be nowhere near this place when we're over here in Nashville. She's going to have my hotel room downtown. But anyway, so what's the room number? I just start twelve. So we were uh, <laughs> got the operator's number. It's zero. Uh, I messed that joke up. So I'm just you know texting Matt back and forth, and you know there's some some discussions come up, and apparently the rudest folks are looking at me. It's like, well, we're, we've talked about it, and we think you were kind of a target for a co-host, and we worked on some things that that made it worth both of our whiles, and I'm like, all right, let's let's do this. And we're recording uh, just just to give a little backstory on how that works is we we record Monday and Tuesdays, and then uh, they've got a, a video team that that puts the video together for their YouTube channel, which has over 10,000 subscribers, so it gets some reach there. And you know the podcast is probably two three days behind, which is strange because I don't have to do any of the editing for this show, which is so so painful for me because and i don't mean that in a negative sense of the uh, way it's just it's hard for me to do something and then wait for somebody else to put a show out because I, I, mean, I put out 2500 episodes so anyway so that's how that really kind of kind of started so yeah well we're pumped i can't wait to listen to it um i'm assuming it's going to absolutely be uh uh better than Askren on frl because ben loves that i mean it's basically what Askren saying everybody sucks and talking about himself, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I can say that or not. I, you know, like I said, there's there's a lot of lot of things that I have had a hard time consuming, and it's not like I, I you know, I listen to that show, and you know, I, I will chime in after my kids go to bed or kids go to 
go to, go to school, get on the bus and such like that. So it's one of those things where I'll, I'll listen to it if I've got time in the morning, but overall there's, there's, there's 70 something podcasts out there in wrestling and I subscribe to all of them. I don't, I can't listen to all of them. I mean, I mean the, the, the stuff Ryan Warner's putting out right now is just, just filling up my feed with how wrestling changed my life. Great show, by the way, if you haven't listened to it, it is one of those things. It's just like, man, there's so much content out there to consume. In addition to the, I don't know, hundred or so episodes that, of other things other than wrestling that I listen to. So anyway, what by the way, you... yes, I do. I do love the talk. By the way, no, yeah, no. that's what I was saying. I was just did, saying. Did somebody like... text the wrong person? No, is that no, what happened? no. I was sending you. I was like, this is great. Like we've had podcasts with guests where it's like it's literally like pulling, having to pull stuff out, and I love this because you've been around the sport for so much and so many different people. I love the stories, and this is this is what we need. This is what we've wanted. I got a question for you, JB. What do you? Um... Old Dominion beat Slippery Rock, by the way. They did. What, what, what do you what, what do you prescribe as like uh, the reason? Uh, because there's a lot of wrestling podcasts out, right? I mean, you kind of started wrestling podcasts. Uh, Blood Round came along, and then some other individual podcasts came along. But now it seems like it's just kind of expanded, and there's a lot of people. Do you think that it's mainly because of the access and the ability for people to do podcasts, or or why does wrestling now all of a sudden got the attention of? of the amateur fans um, with regards to wanting to put out podcasts? It used to be so. If you listen to iHeartRadio, and they just had an awards, and they said podcasting's 10 years old. Well, they're full of shit. Podcasting is fifteen is, is going on 16 years, and it used to be kind of a, 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 tech, a tech nerds game. A lot of the original podcasts were tech shows about tech news and, you know, things Leo Laporte this week in tech kind of kind of grew his business out of that, and Basically, it was the it was like the first forty podcasters all knew each other personally, and it was it was strange. So now, as we got to you know developing the shows, and I remember with Wrestling Four One One when Kyle Klingman and I were up here, you know, we're looking at eleven years ago, and we were releasing this stuff, and we call it the audio archive. And then I looked on on the Wrestling Four One One site, which we kind of loaded the content, but we didn't build. A guy named Peter Meister actually set it up. I remember his name really well because he was super smart and helped us out with that the technical side of things that year. And I was like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa. I know what an RSS feed is. Wait, is that an iTunes logo? Right. Is this a podcast? Holy shit. I'm doing a podcast. I mean, it was like about a month into it. I'm like, wait, wait this is a podcast. You're breaking I up. I know much about the platform. But fast forward to 2013. You know, I'm at USA Wrestling, and I'm writing my own code. Right. For I'm writing the XML code for the RSS feed, not realizing I was using a WordPress site, which had a plug-in called PowerPress that makes – an RSS feed really easy to generate. And then mm-hmm. what's funny is the code that I was using, I had borrowed from a guy named Rob Walsh, who was actually ends up being like the vice president of Libsyn where most of my shows are hosted. I'm like, Holy crap, Rob, I was, I was looking, I met him at podcast. I'm not at one of the podcast nerd conventions a couple years ago. And it was like, Hey Rob, <laughs> I'm using your code. Cause in the, in the, the, the brackets is like, you know, podcast four one one doc. I was like, Whoa, Rob, I, I was using your code years before I knew you. So, that's how it used to be. It used to be handwriting your code, self-hosting, really? and now with Libsyn, with I mean, Anchor has made it super easy. Although I do not advise really anybody that wants to to control their content to use Anchor. But I mean, there's so many different platforms out there yeah, now that makes it easy. Some people just like to press play and 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 go. And if you're a you're not a you don't consider yourself a content creator, you're just like, well, we just want to do a show with my friends. Well, fine. You don't worry about the ownership and and what's going against right. your, your posts. Be running a business out of it. 
I got to know where, where my content's going. I got to know who is repackaging my stuff. Like this, right. this site called Luminary came out and they were like, yeah, we're, we've got all these cool shows. I'm like, oh, that's great for a subscription. Well, we've also pulled in all of these other shows. I'm like, you didn't ask me to pull in my shows. So I had to go through all 25 shows on the network or every show that, because I've, I've helped submit people's shows to iTunes directories, even though they're not mine, but they, they trust me with, it's not their login, but I just submitted for them. And it's like, yeah, um, I want all those shows down because you're not going to make money off of me without me opting in. I don't mind. Like Spotify, you opt in. You want to get on Spotify, you you go through this thing. Okay, you're going to probably put some ads on it. Same thing with Stitcher. So, yeah. But to your point, your question, this is me getting long-winded, is it's so much easier to do now. There's like Spreaker, for example. You can have an app on your phone and sit there and talk. Anchor, you can have app on your phone and sit and talk. I mean, okay. there's, a, there's a lot of shows where guys sitting out there and, and drinking beers and, and, and shit talking the opposition, like hell initiate contact. There's a couple of Iowa fans who are actually batshit crazy when they're just, they're just ripping on teams left and right. Like worse than like, you know, clonch, you know, effing Missouri or, <laughs> or Northern Iowa or something like that. Right. These guys are, they're, they're hilarious. I mean, but at the same point, anybody can do it. And I don't think people are worried about it now because I think social media has kind of, kind of dropped our guard a little bit. We're not as sensitive about everything. 100%. And, you know, if, if you know, you're, you're putting it out there, I mean, you got to have a little bit of an ego to put it out there too, because nobody's going to put something out there that they don't want anybody to hear. I mean, so uh, the fact that access is better than, than we've had, you know, it, it, there's still ways you should be contacting athletes and that's, that's through the sports information director and things of that nature. But you know what? People are reaching out on Twitter, getting DMS and, you know, have people on the show. I mean, you know, you guys caught lightning in a bottle with that Pat Downey interview a couple years ago, which yeah. was like, holy shit. That was our big that break. Happen? That was our big break. And well, if, you, if, if you knew the true I mean, story on how it happened, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. it's pretty. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, and first of all, no, this is fantastic, Jason. Like, I was just telling Ben, like, we don't have to force a conversation with you. So, and I know we want to talk about Penn State, Iowa, but in the future, you have me on your show to talk about me. Come on, it's no, my favorite you've subject. traveled so much and you've got so many stories to tell. I would love to have a whole episode about that. But I'll tell the Pat Downey story real quick before we get into the uh, the Penn State, Iowa stuff and the don't go to the wrestling that's going on. That place blows. No. <laughs> so essentially, look, we had just started this podcast. We are just knuckleheads, and and the whole premise of our podcast the entire time is we wanted it to be just just like it was of two dudes who loved wrestling sitting at a bar just bullshitting about wrestling and that's kind of how we keep it okay we call it how it is but we had been i've done this fantasy wrestling league for so many years and i used to hand score everything and it's a phenomenal time and uh that was i think what episode was it 13 13 so um i had pat downey on my team and uh he hadn't wrestled all year and i was wondering why and i didn't know what to do i didn't know whether i needed to drop him trade him do something so i just started hitting up through uh through uh, through twitter and saying hey big fan of yours um would love to have you on the podcast to see i noticed you haven't been wrestling but would love to have you on the podcast to see what you've been doing training wise to get ready for uh the postseason and the whole time i'm, I'm thinking in my head i just need to know do i need to drop you from my team or not and uh, he was like yeah yeah this sounds great um i'll do it and the day we were supposed to do it is the day that the news broke that Pat Downey was kicked off the team. Um, Flo ran with a bunch of stuff. And a lot of people were bashing him. Uh, Flo Wrestling really bashed him back in those days, um, which is kind of funny to see how they kind of what they do with him now. I find it kind of ironic. Um, so anyway, after everything went down, I just got to thinking and I, I said, you know what? I sent him a message and I said, hey, we'd love to talk to you, but I get it. This is not a very good day for you. You've got a lot going on. I said, but I'll tell you what. If you'd love to come on, 
tell your complete side of the story, we would love to have you. And that's exactly what he did. And it was a phenomenal conversation. He broke the nose about, or broke the, 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 the story about um, Jackson uh, being released from, the, uh, uh, from, from coaching duties that episode. And that was kind of like what gave us a little bit of a legitimacy and kind of got our name out there. So it was, it was pretty nice, pretty cool. But it was all about fantasy wrestling. Oh, because, uh, you know, fantasy wrestling is – I was in a league back with uh, the wrestling talk back in the day. This is when I was working at the NWCA, and the late Jacob Schlocky had started that out because what had happened was is there was a series of, of, of mass bannings from the Matt.com message boards uh, right after um, Metcalf shoved Caldwell. Yep. And then there was another one after uh, – it's funny, the open mat started after the Zadik episode where – USA Wrestling had asked the fans not really to talk about Mike Zadek potentially replacing somebody at the Olympics because they didn't really want the the potential that the word getting out too far and it it impacting the decision to add him since he was over there you know as as an alternate training partner or whatever. Both of those instances caused mass bannings and oddly enough Iowa wrestlers were at the center of of both of those things and a wrestling talk started out of one of them. And I jumped over there and I, that was the only other forum that I had had. Dart Shark was my was my. Uh, Username because me and another guy grips and hips were were shooting in the dart league at, at in in Lancaster Pennsylvania at Brandy's and we were the Brandy's dart sharks so that was like one of one of the things and then I was in a, we were in a fantasy league there and uh, this guy lost who is now I think he just turned thirty he was like underage at the time <laughs> like uh, was in the league and 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 Schlocky was a wrestler at Minnesota he's from Apple Valley and he he's, he's since passed away he he had a had a bout with cancer. And it took him from us way too young. Guy was absolutely brilliant. He was one of the top, I mean, one of the quickest millionaires, you know, at the age of 24 or something, just doing SEO optimization before it was really even big. He was working with McDonald's and all sorts of stuff. And the guy was brilliant. He created this forum for us. And uh, Shane Jensen was, was the original moderator. And we were hand scoring it. And it was just like, this freaking sucks. Because it was, it was like, you know, and then, you know, Herb P, uh, Russell Payton, you know, he, he has since passed on too. He was another of these old guys that he would make so many freaking trades. I'm like, dance with your dates, yo. <laughs> like he would trade. I mean, and, and then back to what you said, you'd, you'd message Pat Downey, my buddy, Nate, one of the groomsmen of my wedding, like DM, like private messages, Joe Booth, who is at Drexel <laughs> and like, dude, why aren't you wrestling? I'm out. Like, it just like signed off, shut his Facebook account down. Like, the last thing I did when I shut down my Facebook account was yell at Joe Booth for being a shitty fantasy wrestler. We literally had a guy in our league back then who uh, who had Ronnie Bresser on his team when he was with Oregon State, and Ronnie Bresser wasn't wrestling, and he kept texting and texting and texting Bresser because I, I think he sold Bresser a pair of wrestling shoes at one time until finally the SID sent, sent our guy a message that said, would you leave our wrestler alone? So that's how it all got started. Um, let's transition. You know when the SID gets involved, you know it's – usually not going to be it's good. not going to be good not at all so anyway and I, and one more thing i'll add i'll never forget to when we got started i was like jb doesn't say much to us i was talking to clonch and clonch said you know he really doesn't take podcasts seriously seriously until you get to 30 episodes and on that was my goal i was like we are getting to 30 episodes and i'm going to say jason take us seriously um well as seriously as seriously as you could take a couple of idiots like us but you know what i mean well, I mean, Blood Rounds, you know, their their tagline was two idiots talking about wrestling until I, you know, I helped them with their uh, their iTunes listing. It's like, hey, um, we just changed it to like just Blood Round Wrestling podcast because it would cut off at Blood Round Wrestling 
two idiots, two idiots. and then that would be as far as it goes. Pretty accurate <laughs> that, description. That's so perfect, though. They shouldn't <laughs> have changed accurate that. description. Oh, man. All right, all right. So, listen, we Fantasy got— Fantasy wrestling. I mean, that's also a natural progression to, to talk about what— You know, I've got wrestle stats. Uh, you know, I got O-Brats o, o and, uh, and, and not Andre G. It's, it's Greg. Greg, um, you're right. on short time this week, depending on uh, how the Wrestle Like a Girl interviews go. But, uh, yeah, fantasy wrestling is something I cannot participate in because now I work for, you know, I get a check from the NCAA. They view that as gambling, even if there is no money involved. So just to kind of keep my uh, keep the world of, you know, potentially career damning issues uh, out there, I don't participate in, in fantasy wrestling. And yeah, but I bet your wife has it about, sucks because is I in about it six leagues. That season. It made those seasons really fun to watch because I've always been somebody that paid attention to the small conferences anyway, which I felt was my advantage because, I mean, nobody knows that I'm going to pick up the the 133-pounder from Drexel, you know, 15 years ago because he's, you know, his, a guy named Steve Mittich. He's pretty good. Like, nobody knew who that guy was in our league, and then all of a sudden, oh, he ends up having a pretty good career. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I think I had Mitchell Polkowski from Northern Colorado on my team for four years, but there were there were but there was a two year gap in between because he took his Mormon mission. So I had him as a key. I was like, I'm a big Polkowski up again. So I mean, it's just one of those things that uh, Kenny Hashimoto, another Northern Colorado guy, I think we had because he's a judo guy and pinned a lot of people. So I do miss my fancy wrestling days. But I uh, bet yeah, you, yeah. Can't do I, I bet you do. All right, so let's transition this. So uh, first question I want to ask you. What do you think of Iowa's resurgence this year? So, uh, do you think it's good for the sport of wrestling? Do you think this is uh, this gets people exciting? You know, do you think people want to see Penn State get knocked off and see Iowa kind of take over? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I mentioned this on uh, the most recent Rudis podcast again. Is I th- and I had this conversation last night. This is the most enjoyable Iowa team I have seen since I've been watching college wrestling, and I got to put a, a, a qualifier on that because I didn't start going to the NCAA championships until 2002. So I did not see those hammer teams of the nineties. Cause I didn't even know what wrestling was until 1995. Really? So yeah. So uh, sophomore year in high school is when I saw my first match junior okay. year. Uh, I'm, I'm getting the crap beat out of me. I don't know why I decided to walk in the wrestling room, but I did. And well, in looking at the team, it's like, you've got a, it, they're not robotic. They are, it seems like they're they're allowed to wrestle their style. I, you know, I'm not inside Tom and Terry Brands' head in terms of how they coach their wrestlers up, but it's just there's 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 a sense about this this roster of guys that they have that is really enjoyable to watch. I don't want to say you know the, the the fun word is thrown out so much, but this is a fun team to watch because who doesn't like watching Austin DeSanto score? A crap ton of points coming right off the mat after Spencer Lee gets a first period. First period tech balls used to be unheard of. I think and sp- now it's like Spencer I mean, it's Lee's like, got to have the record of that by the time he's well, done. Four point near I don't know. It, there there can't be it. a record because nobody's bothered to keep that record because it was so rare. I mean, four I point. saw. Yeah. No, I was just got? saying four point near falls have a little something to do with it. I think but, a little yeah. bit. I mean, yeah. I mean, four point near fall had something to do with with Roman Bravo Young and Ridge Lovett going from a one point match to a major decision. That's a I good mean, point. I mean, that's a great yeah. point. I mean, look, was, Austin DeSanto, you know. It, Ben and I just watched Iowa whip up on Ohio State. You know, Iowa State, Iowa winning seven out of seven out of ten matches. Austin DeSanto put up a score against one of the top recruits in the country that the the Hawkeye football team struggles to put up scores like that on a regular basis. That's impressive, and I think you're right. I think, Iowa football wasn't terrible. wasn't terrible this year. I mean, not not this year, but you get the gist. I I, I agree with everything you said. I think, and I think some of the 
maybe maybe the brands have kind of changed and kind of adapted to the times, but they're letting guys wrestle their style. They are adding their touches. I think it's paying off, and they've got a phenomenal team this year. And 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 again, I, I equate it back to the the New York Yankees of the '80s, who sucked. Well, what happened when they started getting good again in the '90s? It seemed like interest in baseball picked back up because in like my parents' case, why are all the older people like on the East Coast Yankees fans? Well, because they were on CBS every single day. Every Sunday there was Yankees games. It was the only team you were really seeing in Major League Baseball frequently. So that's why there's such a a huge following of Yankees fans around the country is because they grew up watching the Yankees because it was always on you know one of the three channels they got over the air before cable. Now we're in a situation where that generation of Hawkeye fans that came through in the Gable era. They they just it becomes an infectious thing in the state of Iowa where you know it's it's you know I believe in God Dan Gable and the Iowa Hawkeyes I've seen that on right. a couple different that's like on a plumbing van I saw in Fargo this year I can't remember I they probably listen to the show because they consume everything but when I was good yes I think it's good for the sport of wrestling because the we equate them to the Yankees they're the team everybody loves to hate even when they're having down years when a Hawkeye loses fans cheer. And it's it's something that's just it's strange. Now Penn State's starting to adopt that evil empire type of thing, and people are always going to like to watch the big dogs get beat. Which you know, coming from a smaller school, is you know, it's not like I said. I don't care who wins. I just like seeing the drama. So, but, but that's a, uh, that's the point. That's the exact point that's that makes it interesting. We have a bunch of fans who probably used to be Iowa haters and root against them that are actually now rooting for Iowa, myself included, Same. because they're sick mm-hmm. of Penn State winning. It's the seriously, it's it's the first time in a long time I think where people are jumping on the Iowa bandwagon outside of the state of Iowa where they're like, you know what? It's the lesser of the two evils. Please somebody else besides Penn State win the damn NCAA tournament and they're rooting for Iowa. And look, if I had a second team, and we've talked about this before, like I don't want to say I'm a closet Hawkeye fan, but I used to grow. I grew up rooting for Iowa. I mean, heck, in high school, I went to uh, Dan Gable's two week intensive training camp. I think two years in a row. Uh, loved it. You got to see the inner workings and all those guys training. I mean, some of the best memories I have is uh, Bill Zadick and Mike Menace sitting in my dorm room selling T-shirts to camp kids. At the end of the day, it was phenomenal. My counselor was Joe Williams. I'm. It doesn't get any better than that. So even though we root for Ohio State, I like to see Iowa do well, but but it is right now more so because I'm tired of Penn State winning. Uh, and, you know, it's it's a weird position to be in because a lot of times when you look at the history of, like, wrestling media, where is Oklahoma – I mean, where is amateur wrestling news based out of Oklahoma? Right. So you get Oklahoma, Oklahoma State influence there. You know, Intermat was started by an Iowa State guy. Then you've got, you know, the, the other outlets, you know, Granted, flow being in Texas really doesn't mean much of anything, but you know you've got the you know Win Magazine's based in Iowa, so your your media powers have always been in the wrestling states, and then there's a really good media presence in Pennsylvania too. Back in the day, you know, it goes with you know, the Pennsylvania Wrestling News, Pennsylvania Wrestling Newsletter, uh, Wrestling Report when the websites first got started. So there's three core areas uh, prior to the internet really blowing up of where wrestling coverage was, and and I think some of that falls into it because if you open up uh, the old amateur wrestling news is from the 60s 70s and 80s and it's you're looking especially the 80s and, and when you get before you get to the the online it's it's iowa or oklahoma state are on the front page that's the lead story or iowa state so the the people that were controlling these outlets were part of these bigger programs you know tom owens was an iowa state guy you know the the oklahoma papers and the oklahoma magazines have always been you know 
Sooners and Cowboy heavy. Where I went to Old Dominion, which is was not a factor when when I was breaking in through wrestling media. So that situation allowed me, I think, a different lens to look at things. I wasn't biased towards any particular program, and and being from ODU was actually a non-factor. So that actually, I think, helped me with my job is look at things from from a lens that's not Hawkeye hater or Hawkeye fan. Because it's funny when I was at Intermat. And I would do something, and there, there'd be threads. You know, that whenever somebody's uh, writing something about Iowa, it'll show up on Hawkeye Report. It's been been like that for almost 20 years. And it's funny because one side would say, "Oh, I, I'm biased towards the Hawkeyes," and then the other side would say, "I'm I'm biased against the Hawkeyes." So that's, I guess, that's how you know you were doing a pretty good job. Is both sides thought you were against them. Uh, Iowa State fans thought I was all, you know, pro Iowa, and just you know, vice. It was just one of those things. So coming from an, a smaller program uh, uh, leaves me the pressure of of again not caring who wins when those ho- those those hammer teams hit which i think in turn now fast forwarding 20 something years is when i'm on the mic at the NCAAs i am genuinely interested in that match because of the drama that it brings not because i'm rooting for any single athlete and yeah i'll you know it's out there i, I mean as a professional i usually you know i put the blue and silver away because mm-hmm. you know i'm proud of where i went i'm of proud course. of my degree if i didn't go to old dominion i would not be sitting here talking to you right now and, you know, in the arrow, Gray Simons was the coach there. We sucked. They're, they're, my roommates were great guys. They were on the team. But, you know, Steve Martin has put 10 All-Americans on the podium in his first 15 years. We only had nine in the entire 50 years of the program right. before. So right. it's a little more difficult now knowing that the program is better than it was. So there is a little bit more of a rooting interest. You know, I have to maybe pump my fist underneath the table. I don't make that publicly clear. I've tried to make sure that that's, you know, there is a complete separation of, of – you know, where my professional integrity lies. But again, back to the point where is with Iowa's winning, when Penn State's winning, when Oklahoma State's winning, when Minnesota's winning, I don't care. To be quite honest with you, I I I care because it's good for the sport. I don't care who wins. And like last night, Ohio State and Minnesota, that was a duel I'm at. And again, no rooting interest. Just wanted to see Great good duel. matches. I was waiting to see Sammy Sasso and Brayton Lee. I was waiting to see Luke Fletcher and Mitch McKee. And those did not disappoint because I did not have a vested interest in the outcome. I was not disappointed. I was not deflated. But on the flip side, I didn't have that high of being able to watch my guys win. So there's a little bit of that when you don't have that vested interest in those power programs. Because, no, I I am not going to know what it's like as a fan to to win a national championship. So I can't say we won. We won. Because uh, the best I can hope for is a conference championship. Well, I, I mean, I think you made a lot of great points there. And for one, look, and this is, we're not just saying this. I think you do a hell of a job at the NCAA championship. Most importantly, the excitement that you bring to the arena, which really does help. The biggest thing for me, I think, and I don't know about you, Ben, um, is like what what ruins it for me for some teams is not the teams themselves, it's the fans. And that's why I eventually had to remove myself from message board because I would get so annoyed with fans from some teams where I genuinely find myself rooting against those teams. Um, And I was like, wait a minute, they've got great wrestlers. I love their style of wrestling. I got to stop this. You know, in case in point, Iowa is looking so good this year, and they completely dominated Ohio State, as they should have. Um, Ohio State walks away with three victories. I think uh, when Ben and I did did our preview, I predicted three victories, and it was Colin Moore, Luke Pletcher, and uh, Sammy Sasso. Um, Unfortunately, we didn't get to see Moore and Warner or uh, Pletcher and Moran, but Sasso versus Lugo was the big match that I think a lot of people were looking to watch. And I told Ben, I said, if there's any one guy on the Ohio State team, especially a young guy, that won't or has the ability to not get 
as they say, Carvard. I thought it was Sammy Sasso. And he goes out there, doesn't look pretty, gets the job done, wins the match. But what do I see on social media all week long? People, you can't rate Sasso, you can't rank Sasso above Lugo because Sasso did nothing to deserve to win that match. Well, you're right. He might have not have taken 15 shots, but he did the Got one the important. Hand raise. Yeah, he did the one important thing that you to, that you have to do to deserve to win a match, and that's score the most points. So, you got to stop looking that way, fans. You gotta you gotta figure out how to be unbiased in certain situations. No, no. See, but that 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 I, I disagree to a point there because what good is being a fan if you cannot have blatant tribalistic anti other team feelings. I mean, there's, I mean, there, that that is one of the great parts about being a fan. Like let's use other sports. For example, I am not consolable after a really bad performance by set alma mater's football team. And this year was a really, really bad season for that one and 11 the year prior. I'm getting texts from people all around the country after ODU beats Virginia tech and football, rich Bender texts me. And I'm in Slovakia at 3 o'clock in the morning listening to this game. Chris Perry is about to kill me because I'm at this bar, and I'm like, first down, I am that guy. You want a that guy story? I was that guy with the earbud in, like doing hooping and hollering to myself while everybody else is trying to have a good time. That's what being a fan is. I'm not going to be unbiased and be like, well, Virginia Tech's going to do that. No, I am going to be a fan, and that is the one thing that is great about fandom, and that is one thing that you know what, I don't about. have from the big four. But that's is, not you know what, what? Thing is, to be unbiased and say Sammy Sasso didn't take a shot, okay, you might be looking through the rose-colored glasses a little bit. I talked to Sammy Sasso directly about this last night. He goes, Lugo's head-hands defense was so good, I could not penetrate, and when I tried to take a shot, I knew he was going to hit me with a go-behind, so I had to play the match the way it is. He knew it was there. He knew it was there. And and, and Ben and I, we talked about that when we watched the match. We did. We did. well, and, and I think that the one thing that Brandon and I have that it's a little different than other people, and, and I guess this is tooting our own horn, is that we Lack have— Lack of hair follicles? Yeah, we have terrible <laughs> hair follicles. But we also have the Look ability— Look talking. <laughs> oh, mine's going away. Mine, I'm losing mine. We have the ability more than I think a lot of other people to have a rooting interest in a team but still call it like we see it. A lot of fans are pretty jaded and blindsided, whereas Brandon and I, I think that— if anything, we're probably harder on the Buckeyes than we are other teams. I think that's a fair point. It's like, look, I get fandom, and I, man, I, I love it. I appreciate it. I want to see it, which is one of the reasons why I appreciate the Hawkeyes so much is because of the diehard fans of the state of Iowa for that team. I love it. Um, but it, it, it's the simple things like you can't say that somebody did not deserve to win a match. Look, yeah, the, I'll give you that. It's the there's, final there's, outcome, you know. You can't you can't remove the the fundamental win loss. Exactly. Know? You want to look at a ranking, a ranking, yeah, there are subjective things to it. But ultimately it's based on wins and losses. Now, if you rank somebody below if they're say all things are in a vacuum and there's, you know, two undefeated guys, they're ranked 1 and 2 and number 2 wins, but it's an ugly way and you know, it's not an injury default, but say it's say it's 1 and 2 meet the way Sasso beats Lugo. And if you keep 1 ahead of 2, even though two wins because, well, they didn't do anything to win the match or something like that. That's bullshit. You lose your integrity. 100%. Like that. You got to understand it. There are certain things that sports do. And that's one of those things that sports do. Now, speaking of Iowa real quick, I want to look up their attendance because when you talk about fans in this sport, we do not have, we have, I think 87 or 88 dual meets that have had over 10,000 people in the history of, of, you know, recorded college wrestling. I would say at least How many fifty. Is over half of them are in Carver Hawkeye alone, I, and, and that's then, what I would say. 
I think it's like the other most of the other half involve Iowa. So so going back to 2002, I'm just going to read this off real quick because I haven't been by disclosure. No, this the is number stuff. one ranked teams, the number one ranked teams in attendance, average attendance since 2002. I'm just going to read off number ones: Iowa, right. Iowa, 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 Iowa. Iowa, 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 Iowa. Did you hear any other teams other than Iowa that were number one in attendance since 2002? No, you didn't. So, and Jason, the fan base does get a little bit of a break for me in some respects because they show up and, and they've been showing up even more in the I, last five, six years. And I love it. And I love that for them. I absolutely love it. Um, it's, just, it's just, the point I was trying to make is just that look, they're passionate. They show up. They've been historically the best fans in college wrestling. The stats show it. Um, they 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 eat, sleep, and breathe it. But it's like, look, don't don't lose that. Like I don't know, you know, don't you're losing credibility when, when you make some comments like the, when some guy didn't deserve to win. Well, look, he scored the most points. That, that That's basically what I'm saying. Do I think Sammy Sasso looked great? No, but I think he picked up on something in that match. Look, uh, Lugo's a very tough wrestler to score on, one, because he his hands, his head hands defense is very good. I'll still never forget, what was it, three years ago when he was wrestling Solomon Chisco, and Solomon Chisco took a shot on him, and he pancaked him right to his back to win that match. And that's exactly what Sasso was looking to avoid. You're going Shisco. I mean, I mean it's, it's been a while. I'm just saying, but that's Lugo. That's Lugo style. So, you know, at least be able to recognize, hey, Sasso may not have taken any shots at all. Well, but he took, he took about three of them. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call them shots, but still. Well, you know. it's also also the, the, the distinction that you have to be shooting a leg attack to be trying an offensive attack. I mean, Jordan Oliver's got one of the most vicious shrugs in the sport's history. And that's not a leg attack. That's no. a that's a freaking collar tie. You just boom, it's a shrug. It's like that's not a leg attack. If he's trying to shrug, is that or you, you you're not paying attention? I think too much of us. And we're getting to the nuances of of what is a shot, what is offense, what is defense. I don't feel like you have to take a leg shot to be no. trying to score. You don't. But. Logan Steber was the same way, right? Logan Steber hit all those types of shrugs, right, Ben? Yeah, he he had a lot of really good shots. Though, he too. did, but I mean, he would hit those shrugs all the time. So anyway, I, I I guess I was just going down there. So let's get to Iowa, Penn State, man. All um, right. Penn State. Like I said, I, I said I don't care who wins. So therefore, when I make these, you know, they asked me before we started, do I am I allowed to make picks? Yeah, I'm allowed to make picks. I just don't do them much anymore because I don't really have uh, an outlet that I do pickums with. So like in Intermat, it was a duel of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a spotlight matchup with you know, it was a spotlight matchup with Intermat, and then it was a duel of the week with with Amateur Wrestling News, the Open Mat, and then we did some things. I did some things like that with the Mat.com. But overall, I haven't had the opportunity to do things like that recently since I've started the podcast. So. Uh, in, in in lieu of calling it, you know, like what the what the flow boys call it, a whiteboard war, we've got uh, it's just a you know just college ruled wars. Absolutely. So we well, so first it. first two questions off the bat, just to kind of get us started. One, who is Gutenberg and Ken Jennings? <laughs> no. One, does Penn State have a path to victory? And two, will we see all starters wrestle, or do you think a coach, either coach, will hold guys out for for whatever reason? Does Penn State have a path to victory? Let me see. What's got to go? Let's see. If if one match goes that way, I'm looking at where where I think they could they could reverse what I already have. Um, I see two options, and Roman Bravo Young's got to beat Austin DeSanto. Shakur Rashid has to beat Warner. Those are the two things I think must happen for Penn State to win this dual meet. 
I so, think that's as a you can see, I've got it six four. We we can go down here, but I, I'm I'm for lack of the imagination. We looked it up on WrestleStat. They've got it twenty one thirteen Iowa. I did my my numbers, and I've got twenty one thirteen Iowa. Okay, so uh, I, we can I, get to the nuance of that. But I think those are the things. Like I Roman Bravo Young has to beat Austin DeSanto, and and I think Shakur Rashid has to beat Jacob Warner. Those are the two things I think need to happen. So so I haven't I haven't added up mine yet either, but. Um... My guess, legally you don't need to do math to be a lawyer, right? <laughs> right. My my guess is that I'm guessing that uh, Penn State's got to win 84 too. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, they... Well, that's, I've got that one. Yeah, that's that's one. Yeah. That, that's so. Let, let's let's start it out. I, I guess I'll go first. Fuck it. Why not? Um, it's Brandon Meredith versus Ooh, Spencer the F bomb. That means he's <laughs> he's serious business. He's gonna throw the F bomb out there talking about Spencer Lee going out on a real limb there. Hey, I'm gonna give Lee six. And Jason, I, I did want to ask you this question you know, before you get uh, – obviously the pick is going to be Spencer Lee and it's either going to be five or six. Anybody that says differently is probably uh, – uh, well, we'll just – Hanging out that. with the old yeah. wild man. Exactly. But um, when it comes to Spencer Lee, where do you put him in the upper echelon of the all-time greats of college wrestling? Accomplishments aside right now, his approach to the sport – what he's done in his first two years, what he's doing this year, what he did at the you know senior nationals, those types of things. What are your thoughts about Spencer Lee and when his career is finally over, where where he will stand in that upper echelon of the all-time greats? I mean, from a national standpoint, yeah, he's got some stuff, but let's also think he's he doesn't have a Midlands title, and I'm pretty sure as I'm right, he doesn't have a Big Ten title either. So, like, okay. that's true. That that great um, points. So, you know, he he's so freaking fun to watch, but again. We're having pitch counts now. We're having it's a different time. We're not having you know people going fifty and zero. I mean the, the match right. numbers that we're wrestling now are, are significantly less than they were ten to fifteen don't, years ago. So don't forget about Keyshawn uh, Clark over there at American University now. Ain't no pitch count on that yeah, boy. Now that, yeah, now that you've uh, you've you've learned how to pronounce his name because I said it wrong at the middle of one time. Teague Moore with the text like <laughs> yep. Keyshawn. And as a yep. Buccaneers fan, that's not one I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to screw <laughs> up. Oh, you ain't Kazan, didn't you? you we did Kazan. Kazan forever too. Yeah, it only took me one time to say it wrong. No, we never, again, we never got it wrong on the podcast. I'm not sure I agree with that take. Point being, I don't know. It's kind of hard to you, – you've got to see what his career pans out. So how many how many ones does he get? If he gets four ones, well, that's pretty simple to put him in the upper echelon. But, you know, right now, where were we at a couple of years ago? Talk about Imar, who went 1-1, 2-2. Good now, point. Good point. Uh, I, do I think there's – enough of a roadblock right now for Spencer Lee. It's kind of, kind of tough to say. I think he's, he's the class of the field. Um, you know, Rivera's up at 33, so we're not going to see that, but, uh, you know, and pitching in, he's beating him, but I, Spencer Lee is going to go down. Is, you know, he's definitely going to be one of the, one of the I, thing is you look at credentials, you have to go through and do you automatically put a four time champ, say he wins the next two, above every other three-time champ or four-time finalist. So that's kind of a tough distinction to make. Naturally, you're, you're going to say your your top four wrestlers of all time are going to be the, the four-timers. You know, you know, Dake, Kale, Pat Smith, and Steber. Like, those are the top four that are always going to be number one through four. Well, that's in the four-year era because there's, you know, we can get on a, on a side tangent about Utaki and the guys that didn't have, you know, four years, the greats from the old days right. that, you know, things of that nature. But, I, you know, I, I don't know where he's at. We've, we've still got two years to go, and a lot of things can happen. All right, so what do you think about his impact on the change of culture and the change of uh, uh, the, the, I guess, the development right now of the University of Iowa? 
Hawkeye wrestling. I don't think it's I don't think it's overstated, but at the same point, I think that you know one guy can be fired up and but it takes the rest of the team to buy in. So you know it's it's a two way street too. It's not like one guy comes in and changes the culture. Well, there has to be like minded individuals. You know maybe he's the one that's been the catalyst to help unearth that. Uh, you know in the mindset or the mentality of the team. So uh, I, I it, the Spencerly effect is a very real thing. But again, I don't I don't want to put it put its you know its hype train in the full blast. But I think it's a legitimate factor in why this team's wrestling a lot more wide open and loose and it seems like they're you know they're not they're not as robotic i think spencer lee is going to go down as one of the greatest college wrestlers of all time and i think that it's i think he's going to win four titles and i think that we're going to consider him maybe the second best um second or third depending on where you put dake obviously you know um how many losses are you allowed to take to be be an all-time great that's another. That's another thing. Well, I think you know you could take as many losses as you, as you want if you get it done at the NCAA tournament. So, now, granted, okay. you're not going to you're not, say Spencer Lee is twelve and ten going into the the, the national tournament his senior year and then wins it. Does he go down as an all time great with like double digit losses in a season? Absolutely. If he wins four titles, he's right. got to. But right? you know, I, I, see, a, I see the point you're making. I'd probably disagree with Ben on this. I think you know anybody can get hot at a specific tournament. Now what? A, if they got hot when they're thirteen and nine that first year, it depends. On, you know, it depends on how they do win those next three titles. But I, I, that's not the case with Spencer Lee. So, all right. So, what do you expect him to do? You're going to pick him in this match, right? That's, that's that's a six. Six. All right. I like six. it. What do you got, Brandon? Um, I think it's going to be a five. I think it's going to be a five point swing. I think Spencer Lee. Um, he he gets on top. He works those tilts in all different ways. And unless he can transition to a to a pen. It's not going to happen. So I like it for five. Now, 133, I think this is going to be one of the big matches of the night. You already mentioned it. For Penn State to win this match, RBY has to beat DeSanto. Um, I have gone on record this year that I think Austin DeSanto and what the Iowa coaches have been able to do by honing in his his aggression and whatever other issues he had has been nothing short of phenomenal. He's one of the most fun wrestlers to watch, in my opinion, he puts up points. His pace is phenomenal. I love watching him wrestle, but RBY is no slouch. I mean, RBY is very quick. He's a great counter wrestler. He's got great attacks himself. Um, and what are they? What's the common opponents, Ben? Well, they've wrestled twice, right? I mean, you know, if you want to go common opponents, it's RBY is 13 and 7, DeSanto's 18 and 4. But I think what even is more telling is that the first time they wrestled, um, DeSanto beat him 7 to 2. And then DeSanto beat him twelve to eight at the NCAA tournament. I think that RBY has had moments of brilliance this year um, with his both his counter wrestling and his ability to create offense. Um, that said, I think that Austin DeSanto has he just he's done what he's always done, but he's just gotten better at it. It's not like he's added to his game significantly, but he's just gotten better at what his game was. So. For that reason, I think that the RBY hasn't made enough jump, at least at this point, for me to believe that he's got a chance to beat DeSanto. I think it will be close, but I'm going to go DeSanto uh, with a regular decision. What about you, JB? Yeah, that's what I got. JB's got DeSanto with a regular decision as well. Okay. Uh, technically, I have him with just a decision because there's no such thing as a regular decision. This is my inner inner stat nerd copy editor coming out. <laughs> You hate the reg- like, you hate the regular decision, huh? No, I hate, no, no. I don't mind regular decisions as much as I hate minor decisions. 
Oh, minor decisions are the best. Made up. That's some made up shit right there. Minor decisions. Hey, I got Austin DeSanto with a minor decision. You're not invited to the party. <laughs> Ever. I unfortunately won't. This will be the first NCAAs in nine years. I won't be there. Which is bittersweet it's for me. It's going to be a much better time for us with, with takes like that. No. It's, <laughs> it's bittersweet for me. We haven't missed one together yet, but I guess I don't have to. Who are you uh, going to bunk with now, Brandon? I don't know. I, I told Hager, I guess I'll just share a bed with him. I don't know what's going to happen. You're going to play tummy sticks with Hager. Oh, there we go. There we go. It's not going to be. Uh, it, it would not be Baranowski because after last year when my nipples was raw from all the nipple pinching from the. Uh, Why does Tommy Baranowski decide to pinch nipples all the time? Because he drinks two bottles of uh, potato vodka. Okay, so Austin DeSanto, look, I, 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 I think he wins at this, wins it all this year. I like him to win this match. Um, I think it is going to be a decision, absolutely. Um, I can't wait to watch this match. But if he can get a couple of those carries to the back, he could break it open a little bit. But RBY is pretty slick. You think it's horses in the back? No, I don't think horses in the back. Ben loves Lil Nas X. He's been singing it all night long. Okay. And JB is stunned. He's like, these guys are idiots. 141. No, I'm making it out. I'm making it out like my video is frozen. <laughs> 141. Couple questions here. One, they're going to run Max Murin out. They didn't do that against Ohio State. I don't think uh, it matters, honestly. Ohio I don't State. Think, honestly, I don't think it matters. As much improvement Max Murin's made this year in, in terms of his ranking and his, and his ability to wins and, you know, didn't give up a takedown until it was the, the loss to Chad Red. But I think Nick Lee is. He's he's a bonus point machine right now. I, I whoever they send out, I think Nick Lee's going to major. So speaking of one forty one, do you think is it in the cards that Iowa pulls Ironman, sends him out, goes all in this it. year? You don't, I don't buy, buy it. it. And why is that? Just just gut gut feeling. All right, I can appreciate that. And I just, honest, yeah, I just I don't I don't I don't eh, don't feel it's. You got the guy, you know, Buren's ranked in the top eight. It's all American. How many more points are you going to get out of it? Maybe maybe seven? Well, here's the thing, and this is what Ben I and I— I just don't think it's that much. I don't think they gain that much by pulling him right now. Yeah, and, and, and Ben and I, we've argued this ad nauseum, and I, I get what you're saying. What's Miran ever done to prove that he can actually sport, score points at the NCAAs? You pull a guy like Ironman, that's a three-time All-American right there, and a guy that would immediately be a favorite, one of the top favorites to win the class— Outside of Pletcher, I, it would be Pletcher and Ironman. Uh, Nick Lee has a chance, of course, as well. But so I, we've gone on. We've had this debate. Like, what's Mirren done? I get it. He's got a high ranking. Is that because of the the you know the attrition of the weight class? Is that because you know his best win is against a guy like what Tristan Moran? Yeah, I mean, you well, know, he made the round of 12 last year. Uh, okay, but still, he's never been on the podium. And if Iowa, if this is your chance to win that title and you got a guy like Jaden Ironman sitting in, sitting in the back, three-time All-American, you know, look, with an actually a shot at winning a national title, polling. What the hell is going on with Vince Turk? Vince Turk just done. I mean, he won Midlands at 149. If he can make 41, I think he's everybody's good as Muran. He didn't win Midlands. He didn't win it? No, he did not win it. No, oh, well, that's casual. Guy named Dave. Lugo. Guy named Lugo won Midlands at 49. Uh, I'm blaming casual Dave because he texted me and said that Midland, or that Vince Turk uh, did really good at Midlands and what's up with him because he was going to pick him up. And I said he's not even a starter. He did go. He did wrestle real. I think he did wrestle well at Midlands. He but did. He was at 49. He didn't win it. Can he not make 41? Also, Austin O'Connor went from Carolina. Had to go, you know, right through the the ladder of Iowa. Oh, Jaron Glosser, Vince Turk, Pat that's Lugo. That's right. He beat. He beat. 
Turk in overtime. Now I remember. Yep, yep. yep. Yeah, Vince Turk did not win Midlands Pen. Um, yeah, but I remember that. I just wanted to get your take on that because if I'm the Iowa coaches, this is the Iowa team this year, look, don't even think about next year at all because next year is never guaranteed. You legitimately have a chance to dethrone Penn State and win the title. But if you're counting on a lot of points from two of your main cogs at 141 and 149, one's never been on the podium. The other one's been on the podium once with an eighth-place finish. All right, those aren't guaranteed points. That's my thing. But if the match is Max Mirren versus Nick Lee, yes, I'm taking Nick Lee. Um, I think it's a decision, but I think Nick Lee's pace could definitely make it a major. Uh, I'm going Nick Lee four. I put Nick Lee down for three, but then I thought about it and realized how good he's looked, specifically um, against uh, Chad Red. So against Chad Red on Friday night, He's always had really close matches with Chad Red. In fact, he lost the state finals one year to Chad Red when Chad Red won his fourth title. I think Nick Lee's actually, we all talk about how Pletcher's made a huge jump. Um, I think Nick Lee's going to continue to make that jump as well. And I think he expanded that that match with Chad Red, and I think he could do the same thing, if not worse, to uh, Murin. So I'm going to go four along with JB. Brandon's going to go three. He's going to be wrong. All right. Yeah, I am going to go three, but here, I'm going to throw this out there. One, I don't expect Max Murin to wrestle. He didn't wrestle against Ohio State. They said he's tweaked up. If you're not going to wrestle Fletcher, yeah, he's banged up. I completely expect it to be Hart Carter Happel, and at that point, I will take a four or five for Nick Lee. Just putting it out there. Against Murin, no. Against Carter Happel, I'll take a four. I'll go a three slash four. How does that sound? I'll take it. (laughs) JB, kick us off at 149. Uh, not really a whole lot I'm going to write home about on this one. This is one of those ones where I see Lugo with a three, but I see it like an eight, one type of one or, you know, a, a nine, two it's fringe bonus, but one of those things where Verclaren's going to hang in there in the end and, and not give it up. Don't, don't look at the fall against Colin Purinton as, as an indication of, no. uh, how close this one could be. It, it, I don't see it being close in terms of the match. I can see it being closer than people expect on the scoreboard. Yeah. I- and I don't disagree with you, Jason. I mean, look, uh, Verclaren wrestled against Ohio State last year in the duel when he went up against Micah Jordan. I think Micah Jordan beating what nine to seven in overtime, sudden victory. It was very tight. Um, Lugo is not a guy that goes out there and creates a ton of attacks himself. Don't he, tell Iowa that he's a counter wrestler. All right. He is a, he's a counter wrestler, in my opinion. He's waiting to take advantage off of you know your bad shots. He likes to you know uh, get into those pancake situations, block your shots, go behinds or reattack. Um, he's great from the underhooks, but you don't see him going out there and scoring a ton of points off of his own attacks. No, no, no disrespect to him at all. Verclaren is a guy who the the results may not speak to it. All the time, but he is a very, very good wrestler in his own right. Um, uh, you know, and he has a way, a sneaky way to keep things close against great guys. Um, I mean, look, Sammy Sasso. I mean, I'm sorry, not, not Sammy Sasso. Um, uh, uh, you look at a guy like um, uh, 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 McLaren. Who did he just wrestle, Ben? I think who did he just wrestle, and it was a close score with. Looking it up right now. Um. I mean, obviously he pinned, uh, you know, pinned uh, uh, Purinton. Great match there, but he has a lot yeah, of matches. Match you know, Jimmy yeah, Jimmy Hoffman, three to one there. Josh you know, Maruka, real tight. Again, 
he has a tendency to have these close matches because I don't think his style of wrestling is going out there and just taking shot after shot after shot. He's going to bang with you. He's going to keep a great position. He's going to get to his underhooks, and he's either going to work an attack off of that or he's going to try to counterattack off of yours. So um, I think it's going to be close. I think Lugo, though, is he, he has definitely improved this year. I've eaten crow before. I like Lugo to win this match, and I'm going to keep it at a decision, though. Yeah, I, I think Lugo for a decision makes sense, okay, for two reasons. One, what you just brought up, the fact that Verclaren isn't giving up a lot of bonus points. Yeah, Colin Pierenting pinned him, and that was really awesome. But, you know, he Verclaren's not giving up a lot of bonus points. But I think even more interesting to that is the fact that, you know, Lugo doesn't score a ton of bonus points. I think his bonus point percentage is under 35, if not right around 35%. And the biggest thing with that is that's a number one ranked wrestler. It's very rare that you see a number one ranked wrestler um, with a bonus percentage that low. It's not a bad thing. I think it just goes to show that um, that's probably why we're looking at three points here. Agreed, and I think that's also what makes this weight class so exciting is because of all the guys in this weight class, they all have deficiencies. Nobody stands out as an absolute dominant wrestler that scores a ton of points off their own attacks and also gets a lot of bonus. What are you thinking? Let me ask you guys a question real quick, because JB, first you you got to make your pick. Make your pick. I picked Lugo by decision. Three. Who should be the number one ranked wrestler tomorrow morning when we wake up at 149 pounds? And Bulu Allen. Yep, uh, Bulu Allen is who I think so as well. Because I wasn't 100 percent sure on that until I went back and looked at it today. It's like okay, he's got he's got a win over Lee. He's got you know Thompson's his next yeah, best Thompson. win, but I'm sitting there going, okay, well there's that win and over Lee, happened. and to me that's that's the X factor because he's up there, uh, he's undefeated. Everybody else has beaten each other so far. Uh, I don't think you can put Austin O'Connor back up there if you're slotting him at two. Because, uh, again, it, to a lesser extent, he's got to carry with Lugo right now because he doesn't have a whole lot on his resume. So, uh, you know, uh, right now it's almost by default you got to go with Boo Allen. By the way, his girlfriend was my uh, was, was the bartender over the uh, the summer at a, a nice brewery. I think it, I can't remember what it was called. Live Oak? No, it wasn't Live Oak. That's in Austin. Um, there's a there's a monk. Uh, Iron Monk in Stillwater. So I'm sitting down there having a having a beer with uh, with Kerry Regner, the coach at Millersville, and he's like, "Oh yeah, my boyfriend wrestles at Oklahoma State." Like, who's that, Bulu Allen? <laughs> yeah, so, I, anyway, I, I don't so, see how how you don't put Bulu Allen first. One, he's undefeated. He does have a couple. of I nice can wins. see the arguments if you want to go into a number of wins and such. I mean, I can see the arguments, and I don't think either of them are wrong. It's because because again, my my theory on rankings is is what it is. Uh, we'll go more into depth on that on, on the Rudis show the other day. But yeah, I got no problem with anybody really being one, but Boo should be the guy right now, just logically, looking at it from a sports standpoint, not necessarily a wrestling standpoint. Yeah, and I think if, if you're looking at tiebreakers, I think that it's not illegitimate to look at you know what you've done in previous years. Some people might disagree wholeheartedly, and that's fine. But the fact that Boo Wallen has gotten on the podium before – Gives me the you know kind of le- gives me the leap a little bit over Sasso. It's really close, but give me Boo. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely going to take Boo Lawlin. Look, but you, you go previous years, Ben's uh, Ben Lawlin has an All American. I think what was it a seventh or eighth place finish in three years ago? So he hasn't done much the last two years. It's been injuries, um, but the fact that he is still undefeated, he is a former All-American, he does have some nice wins this year, and everybody else has losses. Look, you can't put Lugo number two because he just lost. You can't put Austin O'Connor number two because Lugo beat O'Connor, Sasso's beaten 
Lugo. Sasso's avenged his only two losses, Brayton Lee and uh, Mitch Moore. So it, it's a rankings nightmare. So the safest thing is, yeah, Brent Moore, the safest thing to do is put Luwala number one, and I would venture, I would, I would, I would you know, support Sasso number two. Yep. And just my opinion. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you on that one. All right, 157. Um, you know, All-American Caleb Young going against Bo Pfeiffer. Um, it, it, we've yet to see Brady Berge wrestle again this year after his first match uh, where he competed against Lehigh. I think he beat Josh Humphreys. Uh, nice win over Josh Humphreys. Um, there's rumors out there that we won't see Berge back this year. Some say we might late. Who knows what's going to happen. Um, Caleb Young looked if Caleb Young had a phenomenal year last year, especially when he fired off his attacks, and I think Brand said that all season long, they needed to get him to take more attacks, have confidence in his attacks, and when he did so, he won matches. Case in point, at the NCAA's when he avenged, you know, uh, his losses to Ryan Deacon when he beat what Deacon twice last year at NCAA's. The thing is, is that. Caleb Young looks like he's cutting a lot of weight this year. Um, in his match against Ohio State, come you know you know later in the match, he looked like he was kind of sucking some wind a little bit. I'm not saying he's out of shape, but at the end of the day, he is wrestling Bo Pfeiffer. Um, Pfeiffer's going to fight. Um, I don't think Caleb Young is going to be able to do to him what Jason Nolf did to Bo Pfeiffer at the Southern Scuffle Finals last year when it looked like uh, Jason Nolf was offended by something Pfeiffer might have said at one point in time. But I like Caleb Young in this match, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's a major. JB, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that uh, that's that's that eight two kind of decision in this regard. Again, it's gonna be on the fringe of a major, but uh, I, I'm gonna be conservative here on this one because again, you know, I just call again. I, I can't give you any technical analysis on it because I just feel like it's a gut feeling. Yeah, and JB, good old fashioned hunch. I, I like the hunch from the wild man. Um. I think that Jeez. yeah, I I agree with you. Um, I think that it's uh, a decision for Caleb Young. Brandon made a really good point about the fact that Caleb Young looks like he's sucking a little bit of weight. I think two years ago he was up at one seventy four, probably not quite his ideal weight as well. Um, but at the same time, he's got those cheekbones a little sucked out. You know, the high end cheekbones are pushing out a little bit before a little bit, and he looks more like an old school wrestler than most people do with weight cutting these days. Yeah, I think mine's mine's the double chin pops out when that happens versus the, <laughs> versus the cheekbones. Yeah, there you go. So I, you know, I I think he's cutting a little weight, which limits him in his ability, um, his offensive ability. But he's managed it well enough to All American last year, and and uh, give me. Him over a game, Bo Pfeiffer, uh, by three. Or, excuse me, three points. So, uh, I respect all of that. Here's what I was thinking, though. Bo, Bo Pfeiffer's being asked to do something he's never done before. Start. This is his first time wrestling in Carver-Hawkeye Arena in a major duel. All right? I, I think if there's somebody on Penn State's team that can, you know, get Carvered, as they say, I think Bo Pfeiffer's that guy. I think it's going to be the environment, the match. It's going to be pretty big for him. Caleb Young's used to it. He's managed the weight well. I think he can score some points in this match. I don't, uh, think, I don't think picking a major there's a bad a bad choice. I, I'm just not going to go with it. I appreciate that. Yeah, because milk was a bad choice. <laughs> All right, 165. I think this is one but of the this matches. this Castle Danger Pilsner was not. Neither was this Michelob Ultra that Ben provided me. Bum, bum, bum. All right, 165. <laughs> um... I think this is one of the matches everybody's waiting for. I mean, this is a match. Alex Marinelli, Vincenzo Joseph, Marinelli, All-American, Vincenzo Joseph, 
two-time national champ, three-time finalist. Unfortunately, I don't think he's ever had a win against Alex Marinelli. Um, I'm really looking forward to this match for, for, for multiple reasons. One, Vincenzo's got to have some vengeance on mind being that, what, is this his uh, junior year? Senior year? Senior. Senior year. So last year, you have to think he wants to avenge those losses, and how sweet would it be to do it in Carver? What are your thoughts, JB? I'm not going to put a whole lot of analysis through this because everybody knows the history with these two. That you know, they know that Marinelli beat him. He's beat him twice, and it's a situation where regular season, and, and now we're. I mean, he beat him at Bryce Jordan Center. What makes you think he's not going to beat him at Carver Hawkeye? I just, I just think the way that Marinelli wrestles, especially during the season, is is just you know he's there. I, I just think this is a match that. I, I don't want to say intangibles, but it's just one of those things where I just think that Marinelli's just going to win the match again. Gut feeling. I don't. I don't feel like I have an analytical viewpoint on why Alex Marinelli has that much more of an advantage over Vincenzo Joseph during the season. But one guy's got two national titles. One guy doesn't have any. But yet one guy's got all the wins, and the other guy does. The other guy doesn't have any. So it's one of those funky things in wrestling that it's more about the matchup and the style. And I think Alex Marinelli doesn't is not a guy that. that you know, goes for the bag of tricks and Chenzo is really solidly sound. And here I am getting analytical and, and tactical on it. <laughs> like I said, I wasn't going to do, but I mean, you know, even though, you know, that inside trip is going to be coming, you know, it's coming and it's still hard to stop. And Marinelli's just, he's, he's the bull for a reason. And, and he's, he's just going to bully through some of those positions. And I just think that Marinelli's going to win this match. Hey, styles make fights. We say it all the time. So, so <laughs> what? So do chicken wings. I don't know, boneless versus you know, you're you strike me as a as as a boneless type of guy. No, I'm boning <laughs> I'm boning all day, baby. That's what she said. Bone. All right, so who'd you go with, JB? You went with Marinelli three. Went with Marinelli. All right, yeah, so, three. So, I'm, let, by the way, just I'm going to put this out here now. I'm threes the rest of the way because that's fine. I typically, I don't. You don't in these. Type Why don't you of, ruin I, your picks for us? Yeah, I did ruin my picks because I also want to make the point that. We've we've called I've called bonus at two eights, which is probably above the norm when you get a one versus two in a dual meet. How many times are these sixteen fifteen type matches where it's one major decision makes a difference, or, or you know, heaven forbid we go fifteen fifteen criteria? Thankfully, we're not going to see that because I think Spencer Lee is going to put those points. But we, we're under the impression that these guys are going to score all these bonus points against game apt, powerful wrestlers, and it's only really conceivable that it's for sure thing going to happen at one weight class. Everything else could be decisions to go. So sorry to take the originality out of it. My, my picks are a little different, but I'm going threes the rest of the way here. That's fine. Uh, I'm going to split you and Brandon up because I'm going to be the one guy that chooses Vincenzo Dosif. Uh, for this, for this. What did you just call him? <laughs> Excuse me, Vincenzo Joseph. Vincenzo Brosef. Uh, uh, Vincenzo Brosef. I'm the one guy Win, that. Vincenzo Brosef. Eat clean, bro. Eat clean, bro. That's a little Rutgers action for you. Uh, I'm gonna pick uh, Vincenzo. I have a guest. Hold on. Hey. Hey, how are you doing? Ruby, can you say hi? Hi, Ruby. Can you say hi in the microphone? Say hi. Hi. Yeah, yes. there's there's Ruby, three year old making a an appearance on the on the show. Why do you have you're not supposed to have that? If, if if we saw her with with a wubby right now, Instagram parents would go absolutely 
bonkers. I don't know. I don't know what that means because I don't have kids, but it sounds like it's bad. You should procreate. It's yeah, I know. So, anyways, I'm going to pick Vincenzo, and the reason why is the both time both times that Vincenzo's lost to Marinelli, he was put on his back, and Vincenzo. You know, attempted to go big. I think Vincenzo is going to play it a little more close to the vest here. He's looked great this year. He's been able to bully around every person on the mat that he's wanted to. He's been in a limited schedule, but I think he's got the capability. I think he's the only person in the country, really, at this weight class that's got the capability to stop that double leg. And the reason why is because Alex Marinelli's got to think twice when he gets in there if he gets jacked up. I think Vincenzo actually does it, and I'm not picking him to win the title necessarily, but I think at least for this dual meet, I like Vincenzo to come out on top, maybe 5-3. What, Ruby? I think it's funny. She's making her picks. Ruby's going to make her picks. Ruby, who are you going to pick, Alex Marinelli or Vincenzo Joseph? The Bull or Brosif? She's picking Alex Marinelli. All right, right on, right on. You know, Ben, you said you were going to split us, and I've been thinking about this match a lot this week, and here's the thing. I think the two times that Alex Marinelli has beaten Vincenzo Joseph, he's been able to put up a bunch of points off of Vincenzo's uh, unorthodox attacks, whether it's an inside trip, whatever it may be. Um, I don't think there's a better team in the country that has better match management skills than Penn State, and I think the coaches are going to have Joseph ready for this match. Um, I actually like Vincenzo to win this match. Um, And again, like Ben said, I'm not picking him to win everything come March, but I think the way Vincenzo has looked, he was very, very impressive against a guy like Isaiah White, who this past weekend, he was able to do something he was... hasn't been able to do it ever before, and that's score a takedown in, uh, in, in, in regulation. Regu- in regulation. Um, Vincenzo does not look like he is um, suffering from being out of shape. He's in shape. He looked crisp. His attacks were good. Um, he wrestles a very smart style. I think Vincenzo wins this match, and, and I think he's able to do, th- do that by taking advantage of a mistake off of Marinelli, whether it's scoring off one of his shots or whatever it may be. But... I actually like Vincenzo to win this match as well by decision, shockingly. I wouldn't normally pick that in most <laughs> most times, but after watching him against Isaiah White, I saw something that I hadn't seen from Vincenzo in a while, and and I really like that, which makes me think that you know maybe he's figured something out. So where Ben thinks he's splitting us, again, Ben and I seem to be on the same page. So 174, another huge, huge match. Mark Hall, Michael Kimmerer. I think this is going to be an amazing match. I think it has the potential to be your, your NCAA finals match, depending on seeding. Um, ben, why don't you kick us off here, man? You And I say that, I want you to kick it off because you were just so astonished by what Mark Hall did this weekend, especially against Mikey Labriola, when he basically just, uh, I mean, what, committed a crime, felonious assault? That was one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. Uh, what Mark Hall did to Michael Abiola at the end of that duel meet was criminal. Okay, I, I, I think that I, my guess was that the, um, the security guards were waiting for him after the match. He probably got arrested. He probably got bail posted because Kale, you know, he's got the ends with everybody. But, but what he did was criminal. Not only did he beat up Mikey Labriola, a returning All-American, during the, most of the entire match, 
He baited him with about 10 seconds left, acted like he was going to let him go, slapped a cradle on, pinned him, and then looked at the camera with a smirk that I swear will haunt my dreams. I think that... I think that um, Mark Hall is wrestling better than he ever has before. I'm not sure that there's a bigger lock besides maybe Spencer Lee in the NCAAs this year than Mark Hall at 174 pounds. And I think he goes out there and he puts it on Michael Mm. Kemmer. And I think he rides him tough. Oh, my goodness. I I, I think it's teetering on bonus. I don't think it's bonus, but I do. I'm going to disagree. I think the 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 biggest lock is Zahid, in my opinion. Thank you. So I don't think uh, I don't think Mark Hall's a lock at all. In fact, I've I, I've this match will go long. a long way in helping me believe that that is he is the hands down favorite. I mean, he is the favorite, but I want to see. My, I mean, I, I said this today on on, on the Rudy show, which again you'll see in a, in a couple of days. Is Michael Kemmerer is much more entertaining he's much more fun to watch he's much more offensive at the weight and i think a lot of people have kind of alluded to the fact that maybe he was just cutting so hard at 57 and that was what really was the talent was there and he was surviving on talent but he just didn't have the, you know have the juice to really show what he what he's got so uh this is what i'm really looking forward to because i want to see where Kemmerer is in relation to how is he really a title contender is this a match that's gonna you know hey I'm why don't 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 crown Mark Hall right now. I think Alex Myers, a guy. Well, you want to crown him? Let's crown him. Oh, wait, that was Dennis Green. Uh, <laughs> but I like the it. same same theory theory applies. It's like you know, I, I want to see where Kemmerer is here. So I mean, I'm going to go Hall with the decision. But I'm I just I'm really curious on what Michael Kemmerer is going to bring bring to this match. And, and honestly, you know, Jason and I feel the exact same way. Um, I've picked Michael Kemmerer preseason. I picked him in our midseason picks. Um, I like. Kimmer up at this weight at 174. I think people tend to forget that, you know, I think Kimmer has, I, I don't know, what, what's he got, like five, six losses in, in his two years of competing outside of red shirt. Obviously, he, you know, Jason Nolf had his number. He's got the loss to Palacio uh, at the NCAA tournament when he got Peterson. There's, there's the, you know, the the infamous, you know, when Ben and I went nuts when Micah Jordan kind of pancaked him at, uh, at the Big Ten Championships. But Michael Kimmer has had a great career. He's beaten a lot of great guys, and he's beaten them by by wide margins of victories. I mean, we're talking guys like Tyler Berger, Joe Smith, um, you know, uh, guys like that. And I think that Kimmer is such a sound wrestler. Of all the guys at this weight class that are solid wrestlers, just like Mark Hall, I think Mike Kimmer is that guy. But I think Mike Kimmer is a little more dynamic on his feet, whereas Mark Hall likes to score off of your mistakes. I don't see Michael Kimmer making those mistakes. I think Kimmer is just as good on top. Um, The only thing I don't like and this drives me nuts, is that hooking the leg ride that Mark Hall does for Penn State. I do not like that. I hate it. I think it burns time. But I'm going to pick Kimmer in this match. I like Kimmer by decision. I love you going out on a limb there. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. 184, though. I think 184 more than anything is, is something that we probably none of us have a clue on. That's yeah. That's Not my toss up here. We got two true freshmen. We got two guys that have represented the United States at age group world championships. We've got two guys that are completely different in in the way they wrestle. And I and you got two guys you really don't know where they stand right now. Granted, you know, you know, Abasad while he was redshirting, you know, while he was still redshirting, 
you know, it's in the Midlands Finals. Well, you wrestle differently when you're in the lineup than you are at an open tournament, and you don't have your coaches in your corner. You're, you're, you're making weight a little differently than a dual meet. And this is one that I have I have got – it's been screaming toss-up at me. Yeah, I am well aware that Aaron Brooks lost to Taylor Vens, who then lost to Cam Caffey. I'm very well aware that Abasad, you know, snuck by Rocky Jordan the other day. I'm very aware of those things. It, but it still makes me look at the match and go, mm, I'm leaning Aaron Brooks here. Close. But I also want to go back to one thing to think about 174 real quick. Mark Hall's been carvered before. <laughs> You're, you're, <laughs> absolutely right. you're absolutely right. Something to consider. But you no, know, I, I I see this one simple. I mean, this is one that there really there's there's no real resume to look at and comparative comparatively speaking. I mean, we've got limited number of matches. I mean, you know Assad beat Vens, what, two weeks ago, and then you know, you got Brooks coming off the mat this weekend losing to him. So I and just it was bad. And and what Vens did to uh Brooks was pretty bad. He just, I mean, he he just beat those up. positions, but I don't but I thing is again, positionally Assad and Vens is a much different matchup than Assad and, and Brooks would be. Just I think they're they're totally different wrestlers, and that's where I think that I I, I I'm leaning Aaron Brooks here, even though I know he's coming off the loss. So well, that's just my my Brooks. It's uh I, I go four three or a five four late takedown kind of thing. I mean, it's going to be one of those matches that that the dual meet. If Penn State wants to win, is going to hinge on this being one of those matches they need to have. Whereas I don't think it's a complete upset where I think this is a winnable match. Whereas the other two, you know, they're winnable matches, but they seem a little bit more out of the realm of possibility than I think this one does. This one, I think, has been clear, you know, coin toss from 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 Jump Street. Uh, JB, and I think what you're saying is what probably a lot of people are thinking. And Brandon, I want to ask you this Good, question. That makes me feel better about myself. No, and I, Brandon, I want to ask <laughs> I want to ask you this question then. Um, are, are we not giving Assad? You know the respect he deserves when maybe the contingent of wrestling fans think Brooks is the favorite here. When if you actually look at a little transitive property and some other you know indications uh, based on what Assad's been able to do this year, would would tend to let you believe that if you didn't hadn't seen these wrestlers before, that Assad would be the guy that would be favored in this match. What do you think? Well, just taking a quick look and and looking at some of the losses. Yeah, as as a true freshman. Abasad's lost to guys from Grandview and backups from Iowa State this year. You're going and exactly where I was going. Yeah, Taylor Lujan. Exactly. So, now, since you know, since being in the picture for the start, starting spot, it's been a little bit different. Where you know he, he's beaten, he's, he's pinned Bronigal at the Midlands. He's he's got wins over Stefanik. He's got you know got wins over guys like you know Tanner Harvey from American who's going to be on the show right but again he's still a true freshman Aaron Brooks also a true freshman true freshmen are going to do true freshman things even though Brooks is one more year out of high school than Assad is but just so, I don't think there's a clear favorite here I don't think Aaron Brooks is a favorite because he's Aaron Brooks I think it's just I just think he's got a little bit more offense on his feet that's why I think he's the favorite here yeah and, and- you make great points there, and, and I'm looking at Abasad's results, and I'm seeing, like, look, he's got, it, it, for one, he's got some really good wins. Obviously, the Taylor Venz win was phenomenal. Um, he's got, you know, the the, the Bronigal win, pinning him in, well, I don't know, two, two, three minutes was great. Um, he really showed some poise in the match against Rocky Jordan, a tough match there. Um, even a win against a guy like Travis Stefanik from Princeton. And Stefanik was a great recruit coming out of high school. That's a great win. You mentioned Tanner Harvey. Uh, but I can't get past the losses that he took earlier in the year. Maybe, though, 
first month of the year, man. It's it, like, right. I, I don't, I, right. you know, at some point you're going to look at those. Those are going to be trivia questions. Exactly. And that's where so, I was going. Like, I'm able to put those aside because, one, he fully expected to be in red shirt probably the entire year at that time. Okay. So he's going out there. He's wrestling in some opens. You don't pull a guy's red shirt like Assad if you're not intending for him to be the man. And I think when it comes to having that that relief of knowing that, hey, listen, I'm the guy, you wrestle a little bit looser. You go out there, you wrestle with more confidence. But Brooks is the same way, though. I think Brooks is probably a little more refined. I'm going to go ahead and go Assad in this match though, for the simple fact that it is in Carver. Um, uh, I think Aaron Brooks... He's the shiny new toy that everybody got excited about because of his senior nationals performance. I mean, he is a great wrestler in his own right, but I like Assad in this match. I did not like the way that Aaron Brooks looked in his match um, against Ohio State. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead. Nebraska. And, I'm sorry, Nebraska, not Ohio State, Nebraska. So I'm going to go ahead and go um, Assad in this match. It's at Carver. I think he's looking to make a statement. I like Assad by decision. Yeah, I uh man, it, it, this is this is a quintessential toss up, right? I'm going to take Brooks and I don't know why. You know, maybe it's the eyeball test, which is funny because we watched Assad beat Vens and and um Vens really give Brooks some trouble. Okay? Um I think that Vens gives a lot of people trouble. I think Vens maybe was just on that night a little bit more than other times. I I, I don't really have another reason um, why I'm picking uh, Brooks over Assad, but just to, maybe the eyeball test. So I am going to go with JB here and and, and take Brooks uh, by decision. I'm assuming you're going Assad by decision. I did. I said Assad by decision. Yeah, decision. Yep. Okay. 197, though, this is a little bit of a conundrum because, uh, you know, Shakur Rashid, his uh, two years ago, took seventh in the country, I believe, at 197 pounds. Last year, torn ACL and all, dropped down to 184 pounds, ended up being, I believe, the two-seed at the NCAA tournament, even though he forfeited out of the Big Ten Finals against Miles Martin. Goes on the opposite side, loses early to Chip Ness, and then he uh, drops another match and ends up going 2-2 two and two at the NCAA tournament, not getting on the podium. You know, a lot of people think that Shakur Rashid is this really big asset to Penn State, and I'm not saying that he's not, but at least this year he hasn't quite had the season that I think a lot of Penn State fans were hoping when he when they made the decision to bump him up to 97 uh, to cover that spot. That said, Warner is a guy that was completely ready to go, ready to wrestle against Colin Moore, and from from what I've heard, he wasn't even aware he wasn't going to be the guy wrestling until uh, Tom Brand said, "Hey, Wilkie's going." When they were both warming up, it sounds like they both weighed in. That tend that tends to, to me to be um, a little deflating. Is is why if you're the starter returning all American, why are they sending out the guy to bump up a weight class? And then Brand says later on, I was doing what was best for my wrestler. I mean, is that a head case issue? Is that an issue of him maybe being banged up? I I just don't know here. What do you think, Brandon? First of all, let me just start off with Rashid first. 
two years ago when Rashid was wrestling 97, I think it was some of the best that we had seen him wrestle. He looked phenomenal throughout that year. Um, it, it was a toss-up of who was going to be the starter, whether it was him or Kassar. Eventually, ultimately, it was him. He got on the podium. Um, I do completely agree with you, Ben, that this year's Rashid is not the same. He's had a lot of injuries that are taking a toll on him. He does look a lot more undersized this year with some guys. In his most recent match with... Um, uh, Eric Schultz, he struggled to get anything going against a guy like Schultz. Schultz, in his own right, is really good, just hasn't put it all together come NCAAs. Um, at the same time, I don't know what's going on with Jacob Warner. Um, I think from a Tom Brand's perspective, it's like, it, it's look. Him and Colin Moore have a little bit of a history here, and Colin Moore is wrestling really great. They did not need Jacob Warner to win that match to win the duel, so... Brands did what he thought was the best thing for his guy. He held him out of that match, whether it was mental, whatever it was, no sense in sending him out there. Jacob Warner, though, has been one of those guys that can look really, really good, and he can also be very inconsistent at times. However, I like Jacob Warner in this match against Rashid at Carver Hawkeye Arena, and it's more so because I don't feel confident in what I'm seeing in Rashid, whether it's injury, whether it's undersized, whether it's getting acclimated about, you know, coming off of an injury, it's, it's more that than it is what I'm seeing against Jacob Warner. These are the guys, when you look at their results against common opponents, their results, you know, in general, they're very, very similar. I would say that Rashid probably has a lot more confidence mentally than a guy like Warner does at this point in time, but. There is something slowing him down. He's not able to really get to his attacks against some of these guys. So I do like Jacob Warner in this match, and I'd like it by a decision. Do you think that there's something strange about the fact that Tom Brands didn't send Warner out, a healthy Warner who weighed in, if he's healthy? No, I don't at the end of the day. I think we've seen this over the years, and I, I'm really interested to get Jason's you know perspective on this as well. I... I'm done with the whole ducking thing. Look, coaches, it is your responsibility to do what is in the best interest of your guys and the best interest of your team, regardless of the reason. If you don't think it's in the best interest of your guy to run him out in a duel that you really don't need his win to win the match, that's you. Because we can all agree that when it comes to college wrestling, aside from drawing fans and the excitement, the ultimate goal is the four days in March. I mean, that's the ultimate goal right there. Um I don't think it's weird. I think it. I, I think it. Not a lot of people were expecting it. Obviously, Warner wasn't expecting it, but Brands had a had a reason, and I can understand the rationale. I, I think you make a great point there, JB. What do you think, man? I want to know where the cross face cradling fool that was Shakur Rashid from two years ago is, because right. if I've got limited mobility, then again, maybe it's again the book is out on on Rashid. But same point. People didn't think he was really that good two years ago when he was pinning the hell out of people. So. I'm really wondering, were we going to find not necessarily the Rashid that was really good, you know, that was good and and the number two seeded eighty four, but I, I want to know where the cross face cradling guy is, where 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 Penn State coaches see him throw a cradle and they're just great. Show us something else. Like I, I want that Rashid back because that's the one that's like oh 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 shit, where's it coming? Where's it where's it coming? Oh, there's the cradle, boom. Absolutely. I want to see the cradling guy. I want. I think Penn State fans want that guy back and. Uh, I, I don't have any real, you know, I've never suffered a, a serious injury. I don't know what it's like to come back from that. So I'm just curious in regards to where that guy is and what can we do to, to, to say, all right, take top and pin these fools. That's, JB, that's the, that's the security. I want to see 
in regards to this match, uh, I'm going to take Rashid with the upset here. I'm just gut feeling. Again, the reverse Carver effect. You know, but again, this also could be a situation if, if Warner is, is not there, which again, we, we still don't know. But if Warner's there, I just, this is one of those things where I think that, actually, no, I take that back. On my notes, I have Warner winning this match. This is the one that I feel Penn State needs okay. to have to win the duel. Sorry, I, I got sidetracked. So you're going Iowa? I'm, I'm going to go Iowa here. Sorry, I, I misread my notes. Uh, yeah, so I've got Warner here, but I want to know where that cross-face Cradle and Shakur Rashid is because I wouldn't mind seeing him back. Jason, I mean... I, I, I said, I don't care who wins. I just like seeing high drama. I'm, I'm not sure that Rashid's... I've seen him pin a guy this year in the face. Well, well, I, and let's, let's take into consideration, one, the injury he's coming back from, which was a major knee injury, if I'm not mistaken, and two, how he pinned those guys two years ago or last year off those cradles. I saw Rashid pin a lot of guys off of their shots by cradling them up. It's hard to do that if you have a very bad knee and they're getting it on on that leg. You're probably favoring it, and I'm just speculating here. And plus, this year's 197-pound weight class, while we still don't have a lot of the you know, the the big names, the studs, you got some bulls out there in this weight class with some horsepower. Colin Moore, Patrick Brockley, Noah, you know, Noah Adams, guys like that. And Rashid looks noticeably undersized, in my opinion, and he's not moving the same like we've seen him in the past. I think whether it's in his mind, whether it's, he, it's still the injury, whatever it is, He's having difficulty getting to those cradle situations like I saw him a couple of years ago when guys would take shots. He would be able to defend those shots, either you know, cross-face cradle, near-side cradle, whatever it was. He's having, struggle, you know, he's having a problem doing that. I would love to see it come back just like you, Jason. I just don't know if we're going to see it come back this year. I do know that there are cases where you wrestle a guy that, that, that's a really good cradler, and the second time around, things aren't the same. Like Ashton Primus, remember him from Missouri? He's right. a guy that came out with like a ball of fire with cross-face cradling, pinning a lot of people. Evan Henderson's freshman year oh, at yeah. North Carolina, he Did was cradling. Pin, pin, cradling pin Hunter Steber. Yeah. Second time around, you're not going to get that type of, you know, I guess results when, you know, okay, I'm going to keep my head up this time. I know I know not to do that against this guy. I think, I think that both of you guys made some great points because I'm – not sure based on what I've seen this year. I haven't. I'm not sure I've seen Rashid hit a cradle. I mean, you know. Well, he's only had limited mat time. It's not like we've got a whole lot of, of body of work to look no, at this year. And I get that. And I get that. And and I think that at this point we're we're kind of yeah we're we're kind of burying the um we're kind of burying Iowa here uh, or excuse me Penn State here. Um, so we we go I'm to burying him. I've got him. That this is the one a swing one. So. Say they lose RBY, but they get this one. That makes it eighteen sixteen coming into heavyweight. Sure, depending on where they start. Sure, but 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 I think that at, at least for me, I'm picking Anthony uh, Cassiope against Seth Nevels. You know, I, I think that we all realize that Seth Nevels is stepping in as a freshman. Uh, he, his plan was to red shirt. He took a gray shirt last year. Um, he's stepping in for the returning national champion Anthony Casar, who got injured at the senior nationals for with a shoulder injury. Um, Seth Nevels obviously got the pedigree, uh, comes from a family of wrestlers. Nick Nevels, obviously a uh, multiple-time All-American for Penn State. Seth Nevels can certainly compete admirably, but what uh, Anthony Cassiope has been able to do this year has been pretty has been pretty impressive so far for a, a redshirt freshman. 
I like Cassiope here uh, by a decision. I think it's going to be close. I think where Neville's lives with his ability to ride people out isn't going to happen against Cassiope, and I think that he's going to be able to get a takedown or two. I like it 3-1-5-2, uh, 6-2 type match, and, and give me Cassiope with the win there. What do you think, Brandon? All right, so... This is another one of those matches where you go back to style. Styles make fights, right? We all agree with that. I look at what Seth Nevels is able to do very well. One, Seth Nevels is a very, very big guy. Not like Nick was. He's much. He's taller. He looks a little more, a little more fit. Moves a little bit better. Seth Nevels is very difficult to take down. So I don't see Cassiope. Uh, Cassiope being able to take him down with that snatch single that he does very well with that, you know, that high level snatch single. The other thing I watched a guy like Gary Traub put a ride on Anthony Cassiope in the dual versus uh, Iowa versus Ohio state, which was very concerning to me. Cause one Traub is light. Um, and uh, you know, he's not to the level of Cassiope. Seth Nevels has every bit the pedigree that that Cassiope has. I mean, here's a guy that was what I think 169 and one in high school with 149 wins coming by pen. I'm not saying he's going to pin Cassiope, but he's also been out of high school for a couple of years. He gray shirted. He was red shirting this year and gray shirt last year. He was able to beat a guy like Hamida who beat him the year before when Nevels wrestled him when he was in high school. Um, I think Nevels is going to be able to give Cassiope fits because he's not going to get into the upper body fights. He's not going to take bad shots, and I don't think Cassiope is going to be able to take him down. I think this is going to be something that comes to the top and bottom game. I think that favors Nevels. I like Nevels to win this match by decision. How about that call? I have no words. I mean... Are I have several words, actually. Are you saying um, it's that far-fetched? No, not at all. Heavyweight I mean, matches are not far-fetched in I'm, any stretch of the imagination because it's often one mistake. It's it's the one of the few weight classes where one guffaw will, you know, or not, that's the wrong word to use, one flub, I guess. Man, I can't even, I'm a master of the English language, and I can't even master that statement. I blame the castle danger. No, it's it's one thing. It's it's one bad half shot. You're one go behind away. You're one timber falling over your own feet. You know things happen at heavyweight that don't happen in other weights. So I agree. It's completely. not far fetched. However, I think Anthony Cassiope is a very good next level heavyweight. Oh, I agree. So, I agree, JB. So I think he's a little bit more mobile. But again, these are two big guys that can move. So we might see some cat and mouse. We might see some chasing ankles here. We're going to, I think we're going to see a little bit more of an athletic bout than we expect between two guys that are really thick heavyweights. They're thick, but they're active heavyweights. So I've got Cassiope on points here, but you know, it's uh, to me, this is a three, two match. This is one takedown and two escapes or an escape and a riding time. This is, this is a three, two match to me. I mean, uh, look, in Cassiope's favor, by the way. Okay. And, and that's, Totally respectable. Look, I I completely respect and enjoy watching Cassiope wrestle. When I look at him, he is built like I love to see heavyweights built. He is stout on top, moves on his feet, and he has leg attacks. I love that. It, it just becomes a stylistic matchup for me is what it is. And I think that Nevels has great hips to defend shots, and it's the riding thing that 
that gets it for me. I think that if it comes to a situation where it's right outs or someone's got to escape top bottom, I think that favors Neville's. I mean, look at Cassiope's wins this year. He's beaten all Americans all year long, whether it's Trent Hilger, whether it's uh, Matt Stencil. Uh, you know, you know, he put a, 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 a you know put a whopping on a great guy like Zach Elam, who I think what what he won a Junior World Silver something along those lines. I mean, he's got yep. great wins, but Seth Neville's. I think we forget about him because he was a big recruit who gray shirted and then was in red shirt, but he had some nice results last year as well. I think last year his only loss was a 9-7 to loss to uh, a Demetrius Thomas from Pitt, who wrestled very well last year, by the way, and he avenged a loss from two years ago of Yusuf Hamida by beating him as well last year. So I think this is going to be a fun match to watch. I'll take Neville again by decision. So the picks are in. The unfortunate thing is, um, and, and, and JB's kind of towing the line here, which I can understand why he's got to do that. No offense, JB. What am I towing the line on? I'm just, I'm just looking at matches. I just. <laughs> he's saying that the there's line. a couple upsets here. Look, no, you asked if there's there was not a, way a for Penn, if you asked if there was a way for Penn State to win this so. duel, and I gave you the opportunities that I think are where Penn State needs to win this duel, and that's at 133 and 197 specifically because I see 184 as a toss-up regardless. I don't see Look, that, if, that if, toe if, on the line. Those are facts, my friend. If, I'm a, I live in a world of facts. Hey, if you Meredith beats Spencer Lee... to tell the truth that you think other people need to need to believe. If, if, if Meredith beats Spencer Lee, then I guess that they've got a chance. But If, no. if, if Meredith beats Spencer <laughs> Lee, you ought to just quit law. Right now, I, I, I wish I'm not I could quit what I'm doing, but I think you should quit what you're doing. But, but anyway. Did you not see him? What he did in my cousin Vinny, he worked miracle miracles. He should not quit law. That's right, baby. Hey, hey, hey I'm hey, Joe hey. Pesci. Ask. Anyways, I love I like grits, too. Oh, God. Grits. Um, no, I'm, no, I'm serious. I'm I'm I make a mean cheese grits. No, I, I would eat them. I would eat them. Joe Pesci likes them. Joe Pesci, by the end of the movie, enjoyed them. You put cheese in your grits. Yes. Seriously, that that is phenomenal. My wife is Puerto Rican, and everybody in Puerto Rico makes grits or oatmeal, and they put cheese in their grits and oatmeal for breakfast. I can't do it. I can't. Why, do it. You, dude? Shrimp and grits is is a great lunch brunch meal. You got regular cheese grits, dude. A Waffle House, they, their cheese grits is just oh. American cheese, man. Don't, don't even get butter, us started on Waffle House. You need butter, salt, and pepper, and cheese. I that is your Southern Waffle style House. cheese grits. Now, if you think that cheese grits is an abomination, just butter and salt. Right. None of these these quick cook grits. You need the real twenty minute grits. You know, I guess I'm a fast cook. I guess. <laughs> oh, another my cousin Vinny, Vinny baby. Line. I love All it. All right, we're moving on from the grits. Hey, my cousin did you, Vinny. Did you, say, did you say Utes? Utes. My cousin Vinny is is uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Obviously, because that's how I got into the practice of law. But anyways. I did the same thing with me in the movie Major League. <laughs> Just a bit outside. Anyways. Who cares? No ben has Iowa at 21, Penn State at 13. Brandon and Jason Bryant both have Iowa 24, Penn State 10. Wow. Oh, I have 21-13. Bullshit, Jason. You screwed up then somewhere. No. Yep. You must have written down my Rashid, then you get up to take a whiz. I said, no, I actually had Warner. No, I gave him Warner. Go back. So, Keep going I have six, three, 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 three on Iowa's side. Six, three. I don't have it. Wait a minute. You you, you had six, three, three on Iowa's side? What, what are we talking about? What weights? Spencer Lee, DeSanto, Lugo, Young, and then you pick Warner Nick, and Cassiope. You, you pick Nick. Okay. Warner. Yep. Spencer Lee, Cassiope, six six, PSU. Go back to sixty five. 
What'd you mess up? Wait, wait. I must have. Oh, you know what? Here's what I did. Nah. I put Joseph. I put Joseph and Marinelli on the wrong side of the paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did, man. Because I, I was writing them all Iowa first, and then I flipped it, and yep. I went. You pick Marinelli. I went young, and then I put Joseph, then I put Chem Dog. There you go. Twenty four to Chem Dog. So no, I do have it twenty four to ten. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I thought I had. You know, because I wrote them down backwards, and when I did my math. This is again why I took. Uh, I was in college for seven years. So I, so I gave Iowa the most respect out of, or excuse me, Penn State the most respect out of all you guys. Just letting you know, you ass kisser. Oh, you're talking about me towing the line. Look at you, Ohio State homer, trying to make sure you don't make those Penn State fans mad. You, <laughs> it's twenty-one thirteen. We're twenty-four to ten. Shut up. Shut up. So all that right. actually changes my my entire deal for Penn State to win that match. Now that I've looked at it again. What are we doing for the next four hours? No, okay, so that means they got to have all three of those. They got to yes. have 84, 97, and 133 it's then. Ugly. So it's ugly. basically, if you heard me saying that earlier, I had my name switched at 65, and that is, uh, yeah, it's exactly why my math is wrong. So I think uh, either way, screw you. I mean, I, I, I can see a path, but I, it, it, there's a lot of things that has to go right for Penn State. The, the interesting thing is, is that if there's any team in the country where things always seem to go right for them, it's Penn State. Um, I will. Okay, quick story. Quick story on that. So Super Bowl 52, walking through the Mall of America. I've got, you know, that's where the, the media credentials were because I did some, some interviews from Super Bowl 52. And I see a guy walking through the Mall of America with a Penn State wrestling hoodie on. So naturally, I start kind of walking in that direction to try to start an, uh, a, a discussion, as if this isn't freaky at all, about wrestling. It's like, yeah, hey, what do you, what do you, th- what do you guys think's gonna happen on Sunday? Oh, oh, the Eagles. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Ohio State, Penn State. He's like, oh, yeah, it's it's uh, Ohio State's got this. this, this. I told him, I was like, they don't. Know. I don't know, man. I got they a hunch. I think I think I'm gonna pull this one off. He goes, you're crazy. I didn't tell him who I was or anything like that. But sure enough, with no Nolf, we get. Colin Moore going down. We yep. get all sorts of randomness goes down, yep. and Penn State found a way. Now, they granted, that's in rec hall, so I'm just I. It would it wouldn't it would surprise make, you. It would make me smile if craziness happens, and I'm not going to say win or lose who that means. But of course, it's something about general. I like upsets. I like craziness happening. I just. I think it's good for headlines. I think it's good for fan interest. I think it's good for just keeping people on their toes because when wrestling gets boring, the sport dies. And thankfully, it's been anything but boring in the last couple of years. Even though Penn State's been on a roll, it's been anything but boring. JB, man, I, I, I can't, I couldn't have said it better myself. And Ben and I, we've talked about this a lot. I don't think there's been any team in the country the last five, six years that is able to manage matches better than Penn State. I think it's a tribute to their wrestlers, a tribute to their coaching staff. However, I think this year uh, they're having to overcome a lot, whether it's you know the loss of guys like Jason Nolf, uh, Bo Nickel, um, the injuries to Anthony Kassar, whatever it may be, Brady Berge not in the lineup. Um, and how many people can go through all that and say, oh, hey, we've got a guy who All-American at 197 a couple of years ago. We're just going to slide him up there and then pull this phenomenal red, you know, red shirt out and a guy like Aaron Brooks. But I still think that so much has to fall the right way for Penn State and Iowa. They've got a very, very good squad this year. They're fun to watch. I think the Brands brothers, they have them uh, prepared mentally and all that. Um, and plus the fact that it's in Carver Hawkeye Arena. So I, th- I think that... Th- 
Iowa is definitely the favorite, and they're going to have to to wrestle poorly for Penn State to win this match. So, anyway, for I'm now, just hoping I'm just hoping that I get the uh, the opportunity to watch some of this live because uh, normally in a match like this, I would go down. It's about a five hour ride south to Carver Hawkeye, but my lovely wife's birthday is that particular day, and uh, you should take her to year, a wrestling match. I'm not taking my wife five hours to Iowa City on her birthday to watch a wrestling match. So <laughs> I have taken her to an Iowa, Minnesota match before, but that was not on her birthday. Right. Now, last year I actually had to, to say, I had to respectfully decline the battle of the Bergs announcing Augsburg and Wartburg because it also fell on my dear wife's birthday. So, um, as, as you saw on screen earlier, I've got, a, I've got some, some cute kids. So, uh, yeah, I've got to make happy wife, happy, uh, happy day up in the, North part of the state, and then a Super Bowl party at the in-laws. So that's how my weekend's going to go. All right. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, all right, Jason, thank you so much for coming on, chatting with us about wrestling, chatting with us about the uh, uh, best duel of the year, I guess, number one versus number two. Looking very forward to seeing you in Minnesota this year for the NCAA championships. Can't wait to uh, uh, see all the festivities, and I really can't wait to go party at your house let everybody get crazy in the good old It's about time for a party room. at my house. And it wouldn't be the same without you. No, not at all. It's MXPX. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> and we'll just call it the Titty Boy Speakeasy Room. How about that? Not gonna happen. He said not going to happen. You, you kiss my ass on that one. All right. Jason, thank you so much now for I'm joining out of beer. us. Now, you guys have officially made me drink the last of my beers. Well, run to the store. It's only yes. it's, it's literally 8.30 your time. All right, I've, yeah, I've literally spent two and a half hours on the phone with you guys away from my wife and kids on a Monday night. And that's why yeah. we love you. That's why we love you. Hey, I got Jason, some office to binge watch, man. my friend. Thanks hey. for everything you've done for us, man. Definitely. Appreciate it. One of the best guys in the sport. Love you. Love everything that you do. This has been episode number 110 of the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. And as always, don't wind up on your back, bros. What up, what up, what up?